here's the part I wanted to get to. So we'll just skip to the end. Uh, by the way, I don't take credit for this poem. I scarfed it off the internet. A uh, little bit later, said this. Uh, Santa Claus, instead of getting in a sleigh because he was late, got into his bass cat boat. Bass cat, a couple bass cat guys all around me. We're going to introduce everybody a little later. Okay? He landed the puma out in the yard with 20-inch spinners. It didn't hit hard. Old Rick thought ahead and Ike-proofed the craft. He made him a light pole from a Minn Kota shaft. Won't break that one. Santa called, and he's feeling pretty crappy. So I'm here with the goods to make the kids happy. He unloaded the cat as fast as he could and stashed all the presents under the tree. As he fired up the Yami to finish up for the night, Ike screamed, Never get up! Never give up! Get up! <laughs> as he flew out of sight. I'm a terrible storyteller. I like that story. We're, we're going to get rid of the storytelling. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? We, uh, we're here. It's just show 12. This is amazing. This show number 12. We're here at the end of the year. And we've pulled off 12 shows somehow. How'd that happen? I, it seemed month easy. Month. You know, it's been a lot of fun. It has know? been a lot of fun. We, have, there's not, we just never run out of things to talk about. We never do. We never do. By the way, you're looking beautiful tonight. <laughs> I like that. Thank you. you is, uh, I like it. It's a uh, Christmas sweater with mm-hmm. a tie. Uh, yeah, I thought I'd go formal. I okay. hope you don't mind. Okay, I like I like the way you look, uh, folks at home. T- to my right, as usual, uh, co-host of the show, Pete Lusick. Merry Christmas, Pete. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, Thank everybody. You. This is the Christmas special. We've got two amazing guests on the casting couch tonight. Want to introduce you to them? First of all, sitting to my left, Adrian Avina, Jersey boy. Adrian, Yay. how you doing tonight? I'm doing good, man. I mean, it's nice to be able to be here, especially for this Christmas special, and be able to be with you guys. And I'm just looking forward to talking to everybody and having a good night. It's going to be fun tonight, man. A lot of people don't know we're practically neighbors. I mean, we live. Two towns next to each other. Yeah, 25 minutes or so. It's awesome. Yeah. It's awesome. Good to have you tonight. And to my right on the casting couch, Bill Dakota. Bill Dakota, everybody. You know, people are looking right now and they're saying, I know that guy. Where did they know you from, Bill? Well, I has to be. It has to be. It can't be Ike Live. I finally made it show number 12. Thank God. All my prayers came true. (laughs) Thanks, Santa. (laughs) From the Bass U. Bash University. Right. Absolutely. Bash University. Uh, he's our MC, folks, and that's where you know him from. And you might think you know him because of the beard. He kind of does look like Santa Claus tonight. He looks yeah. good with the beard. I, like I think him. he does. Yeah. Yeah, El- elder done. statesman. Yes. Very Bill distinguished. Has been, he has been our MC extraordinaire for this will be our sixth year. Wow. Yeah. It took me six years to grow the beard. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's, that's good to hear. Yeah. And uh, back in the booth, as usual. Uh, we have probably the two most important people on the show, i got to tell you. Uh, to the left over there, uh, with that big giant mitt just waved, it's uh, Brian the Carpenter, a.k.a. Brian the Producer. Uh, Brian, <laughs> yes. we're, I don't want to jinx it, but man, we're going to go for a show tonight with no problems. Uh, too late. Too late. Okay, we already had a problem. I'll tell you later. All right, see that? Look at that. Something happened already. God. Uh, and sitting to his right, uh, my Bless. beautiful wife, Rebecca. Hi, Beck. Hi. How you doing? Good. Uh, let everybody see your Christmas sweater tonight. Look at that. I got Santa. He's going down the chimney. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he is. <laughs> uh Awesome, awesome. Uh, man, we got a big show here tonight, Pete. Uh, should I let everybody in a little bit on, on what's going on? 
Or should we wait? Let, let's no. let them in. Yeah, them I, in. I think so. I'm, I'm excited about the guests that we have tonight. Yeah, well, we've got great guests in studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we have another really special guest calling in. And uh, he's a pretty good fisherman. He catches them once in a while. <laughs> every, we, every so often. Every so often. Look, you, who's that guy? Do you know? Yeah, I, I believe it's Aaron Martins is going to be. Well, Aaron Martins, here. everybody, who will be joining us later in the show. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. I, I, I was preparing for the show and checking out his statistics, and it, it's just an amazing read on uh, how consistent that guy is. It's yeah. uh, pretty impressive. Man, it's going to be a great show. Hey, as usual, listen, we want your input on this show. Uh, lots of ways to get a hold of us tonight. Uh, you can do it through I am right there on the right of your screen, instant messaging. Ask us anything you want. You can even ask about Pete's underwear. It's uh, Christmas colored or shaped. Uh, any, shaped. A, shaped. Ask anything you want. Uh, the other way is uh, Twitter. Uh, Mike underscore Iconelli underscore Iconelli. Uh, tweet your questions. And then we have a phone number that, Bri, when does Ike, Ike Live After Hours start? Uh, we want to see you, too. About 10.30. And uh, as soon as we wrap this business up, 10, 10.30. All right. So about 10, 10.30, yeah. we're going to open it up to Ike After Hours, which is cool yeah. because it's a free-for-all of questions, which is great. Uh, but, hey, before we get into tonight's show, Pete, let us do what we always do, and especially in this show. It's, uh, it is a Christmas special. We want to thank uh, everybody in the military, uh, active and veterans, Thank you guys for what you do, especially in today's crazy times. We appreciate you so much. We want to thank uh, the firemen, uh, policemen, uh, EMTs. Uh, do you have something you want to say too, Pete? Do you have a? Well, we have a fireman in house here with Mr. Dakota. Yes, uh, retired. A, re- a retired yes. fireman. But yeah, we recently in the Philadelphia area, a, a, a young woman um, was killed in the line of duty fighting a fire here in the Philadelphia area. It was the first female. Uh, to be killed in in the line of duty, uh, I think in the history of Philadelphia. Wow! And we want to, you know, send our thoughts and prayers out to her family, and um, and we also had, uh, you know, some police officers that, you know, up in New York State that that um, basically, you know, were executed doing their job, and um, you know, it, it's a tough line of work that those folks do. Yeah. We we appreciate the efforts and 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 the sacrifice that they make for all of us. For sure. Thank thank you guys, especially during the holidays. We appreciate it. Brian, you want to get a little recap here? Uh, I, I want to talk about something pretty interesting that happened uh, over the week, over the last week since the last time. One of the guests we had on the phone, a uh, football player. Willie. Oh, yeah. Willie. Willie Young, baby. Willie Young. <laughs> Willie Young. We had him on. We had him on. And uh, great guy, hardcore bass head, amazing football player, hardcore bass head. And he's been known to do a little celebrating after sacks, and he does some fishing moves. So we challenged him on, on the our, last show. On our last show. Yep. On our last show. We challenged him. We had some ideas for him on what to do. And what happened, Bri? Ah, uh, he took us up on it. What did he do? Uh, he, he did he did the jerkbait celebration. He did the jerkbait <laughs> yes, celebration. <laughs> yes, now, wait awesome. a minute. Let me, let, let me recall right. We had uh, we had somebody that said skipping docks. That was Dave. That was Dave. We Who's had, not here tonight. Rest, rest he, in peace. He's not here because yeah. he's embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> we had somebody said something else. But let me recall correctly. Who? Let me recall correct, correct. Who, uh, <laughs> who said try the jerkbait hook set? You. Thank you! Thank you, thank you. Appreciate that. Man, Willie Young, thank you for taking me up on my celebration. I like that. He was a very, very cool guest. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. He was a great guest. Yeah, he was a lot of fun. And How neat is that to see this show is impacting NFL football and the world. 
in the world, mainstream America. <laughs> That's right. Who would have known? That's crazy. Uh, yeah, that was pretty neat to see. That's crazy. Yeah. Uh, so that was big news. Uh, the other update. Uh, this, this is this is pretty cool. We told you a little bit about it before. We gave you a sneak peek of it, and we want to remind you that our good friend Mark Jeffries mm. from. From where is he from? <laughs> He's from the Bass Zone. He's from Bass Zone. He's from Oklahoma. And he, Bass Talk Live. Right. Mark's got an amazing new special. Uh, well, I guess we'll call it a special. He's got this new series coming out called Twenty Feet Deep, and it's right on the heels of it, guys. Right on the heels of it. We're talking about December twenty eighth. Mark's going to premiere Twenty Feet Deep. That's amazing. That's like week or so away. It's right an, and it's an outstanding piece. Yeah. What a neat concept. It is a neat concept. Do we want to run a little B-roll on this here, yeah. or we want to get Mark on the phone, or what do we want to do? Yeah, actually... Uh, let's Skype him. Yeah, let's uh, let's Skype him. Let's and, Skype that, and, him. That, and then we'll roll the B-roll. Okay. Let's Skype him in if we can. Oh, we uh, can. I, I'm excited. I'll tell yeah, you, we new things in the fishing industry make me very excited. We're going to talk about some new things later. We're going to talk about some ba- new Bash University projects. We're going to ask Adrian about some new sponsors he's got on board. Some new truck company sponsors. Very exciting. Wow. Truck products. A lot of new stuff. I'm excited about new stuff. Makes yeah. me happy. Yeah, the new year's here. New year's here. It's a good time to talk about it. Yeah. Oh, speaking of that, remind me later in the show, we have to talk about resolutions. I'd like to talk about that. We'll do that in the after hours, though. That's a good idea. Just in case your resolutions aren't, you know, <laughs> I, you know what I mean. I, I, I really haven't prepared any, but everybody <laughs> that knows me knows I need some. <laughs> All right, all right. I all think. Right. Let's see. I think we've got something here. I can hear myself. I, hear I don't know why. Mark, shut your computer off. off. Hey, man, can you hear me? I can hear you. I can hear you. And I hear myself. I hear myself. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a giant echo. Like a giant echo. Mark Jeffries, everybody. Mark Jeffries. Hi, Mark. Mark, do you have it? Do you have it on the computer? I do. Well, shut it off, Mark. Come on. Pick a game up. Oh, is that better? <laughs> wow. Look at that. The man who taught us is accused of the crime. <laughs> the student has that become the big. teacher. No. Ah. Mark, <laughs> what a, we're, we're, uh, we, we forgot what state you were from for a second, but you are from uh, Oklahoma. Uh, yeah. That stumped. Pete, Pete that's it. Black. Yeah, yeah. Hey, I, I, I recovered nicely. That's too far south for Pete. Uh, but we we talked a little bit about new stuff, and you've got some. I'm super excited to talk about it. You've got a new project called Twenty Feet Deep coming up. Um, I was kind of the guinea pig, pig, guinea pig for the project. Tell us a little bit about it. What is this thing? Well, I wouldn't really call it the guinea pig. Uh, it was uh, it was really cool. And for the folks that are out there watching tonight, you're going to get a side of Mike Iaconelli that really has not been displayed before. Uh, I had the opportunity to spend several days with Mike, and we went we went around Philly and did a bunch of filming. Uh, kind of reflected on a lot of stuff that Mike was involved with in his early years, and then really dove into some tough questions that uh, many people pretty much have, have been looking for answers. And uh, initially, guys, this thing was going to be a 20 to 30-minute documentary, and it has ballooned into about an hour and five minutes. Wow. So... I, I am thoroughly, 
thoroughly happy with the way that it turned out. And if anybody out there is a fan of the ESPN series 30 for 30, that's kind of the style that we are following with this documentary series. And Mike just happens to be the very first one. Uh, we, we have four more that are in the can already. Uh, we have plans for an additional uh, eight more. Uh, we're going to try and get uh, a dozen in for 2015. Uh, but we're going to debut it this Sunday night uh, with Mike. Uh, we're going to stream it live. And then after the documentary has uh, been shown, we're going to have Mike on live to answer specific questions that you might have from the documentary that, that everybody watches on Sunday. Awesome concept, man. Uh, you know, we first started talking about it. I, I love it. I love bringing that human, you know, human nature, that human element to it. Uh, and that sport needs it, Pete. Well, it's not captured enough. You know, when a guy wins a tournament, you know, maybe he gets a little bit of that. You know, you get a little bit of that coverage on the TV show or, or some of the media coverage. But just a little tiny bit, and that's only for the guy that wins the tournament. Yeah. You know, to, find, to get all that, that in-depth, the story behind how, how these great champions – Become great. How they've gotten there, the the road they've traveled, the peaks, the valleys. I mean, that's that's some interesting stuff, and I, I can't wait to hear some of these stories, Mark. I'm yeah, stoked. I, uh, what's really cool too is I, I've sent out little clips and and footage to uh, Dave Rush, who who is helping me with this project, along with the Nature Boy, Matt Pangrak, and uh, they were just totally entrenched. They could not stop watching. And these are just little segments, and these are guys that are knee-deep in the industry. So I'm hoping that, that all the people out there that are watching tonight uh, take the time. I know it's a little long, but I remember the first 30 for 30 documentary that I watched on ESPN was about two hours, and, and, and I could not leave. And, and that's kind of the, the premise that is really at the forefront of the first one that we're doing with with Mike and just kind of the whole background and and the mystery of some of the stuff that has taken place in Mike's life, we're finally going to get some answers. So I, I'm super pumped about it, man. I, I am too. And i got to tell you right now, Mark, uh, if this thing is a total success, I want to take all the credit for it. <laughs> if people watch the show and they're super bored about 10 minutes in, I'm blaming it all on you. So It's all, all on me. So, oh, yeah. Okay. No, it, it, and, and the way that we mixed it up, we, we kind of we, we started it out by, by talking about what you were like uh, in, the, in the early years. And then we kind of built up, and then we throw some stuff in there that is kind of current, and then we throw some stuff from the past, and then we throw some stuff in that's current. So it, it keeps you on the edge. You're not sitting there listening to ten and a half minutes of rambling. It's it's stuff that is very intriguing, very interesting, and uh, can't wait for Sunday, man. Uh, I will say this. It's 99.9% complete. There's wow. one little tweak that I have to make. And then uh, we'll be ready to rock with it on Sunday. Wow. Well, we're all we're all stoked. I can tell you, everybody around here is on the edge of their chair just by your description. Uh, thanks, Mark, for joining us, man. Everybody, listen to me. Check this thing out. This is going to be freaking phenomenal. Not just because I'm in it. Mm-hmm. It's going to be phenomenal. This is the kind of thing that I'm going to watch the next four or five. I want to watch the next stories. So, where can everybody find this thing, Mark? While we still have uh, you on the, here, the web address is twenty feet deep. That's twenty ft deep.com 
What was and what was the other com and we're gonna do it live Sunday night, eight o'clock Eastern time. Okay. I and was then we'll th- have Icon live via Skype afterwards to answer any questions uh about it. The other thing is be prepared. Be prepared to fire the questions because that's one of the things with this documentary series. When we air it and we air it live, the beauty of it is after you watch it, immediately after you're going to be able to ask questions about what was said during the documentary. Very, very unique format, and and I'm really pumped up about it. Man, well, I, I can't wait. I can't wait. I'm excited. Uh, I want everybody to check it out. It's going to be it's going to be awesome. Hey, Mark, real right, quick before you good show guys, Merry Christmas. Hey, Mark, real quick before you go, uh, yes. one of our. Um, our, our fans asked if you're going to do Tommy Biffle and call it the man behind the shorts. Wow. <laughs> I, I want to see yeah, that one. That, I want to see that, that one, Mark. Might be, uh, that might be a possibility. But, man, <laughs> I don't know if I want to. You know, that may be rated R. We may have to put a rated R rating. Yeah, you might one. have to change the name of the whole show instead of 20 feet deep, two inches long. To the exactly. <laughs> All right, Mark. God. We'll see you. We're going to let you go on that Check note. Out Sunday night. Merry Christmas. Merry, Merry Christmas, Christmas, Mark. Mark, Mark. Mark Jeffries, everybody. Nice. Good for, uh, big friend of the show. That's exciting. I'm, I'm interested to see, to learn about you. Well, like, I, I don't know about I thought, that. I thought but, I knew uh, everything. I know. <laughs> I'm interested in what you're going to be talking there's about. Some, there's some skeletons some in my secrets. closet, and they might they might come out. You know what I mean? Mm. The Skeletons actually may walk out all by themselves. Oh, yeah, I mean, and, he, and he said he asked some tough questions. They were, there were, were they tough? I, I could, there were some tough questions. I, I can honestly tell you this: several times during the interview, I got emotional. That's a true story. So you'll just have to just have to watch. Just have to watch. Watch. <laughs> Look at back in the back, laughing. Uh, that's a true story. Uh, are, are you going to watch, Becky, or are you going to not watch? Uh, I'll, I'll watch. I'm I'm good with that. Okay. I don't read books that he writes, but I uh, boo. I'll watch this because Jeffrey's there. You just it. don't read any books. I read lots no, of you books. Do. You do. You read books. Well, we're not going to run that promo, right? We're, we talked about it enough. <laughs> uh, yeah, why don't we save it for uh, a break? Uh, an upcoming. We'll save it. We'll save it. We'll save the promo for a break. Hey, but, did uh, we tell everybody that instead of like putting music on during the breaks, we're going to carol? Oh. No, I'm just kidding. That's actually a good idea. <laughs> that wouldn't be a break, though. Well, I wouldn't, unless Becky did it all by herself. Then it's a break. Then it's a break. All right, Beck, you're you're. Uh, Voted. You're charged with uh, Caroline tonight. You're up. Um, all, right. all right. Let's let's get back to this festive show. Uh, let's jump right into it. I I don't want even want to use this paper anymore, man. I want to get right into it. I want to talk to the guys on the couch right here in front of us, Pete. We have real live breathing people here. I want to talk to them. Uh, we got some good ones. So I'm interested to learn some stories about the guys on the couch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's start with Adrian, man. Uh, and let me let me before we start, let me remind everybody. You've got a question for Adrian. IM us. Uh, go to the IM section. You could ask Adrian anything you want. He's not bashful. Uh, you could also get us on Twitter, Mike underscore Iconelli. Uh, and you could call us. Uh, Brian, you want to put that phone number up there real quick? This is a good time. We can get some calls, right? I could do that. All right. We're going to show you a phone number here in a second. If you're old school and all you have is a payphone booth and, and 20 cents, two dimes, there's a number you can call, too. Uh, so that's okay. But I, I, well, I'd, I'd like you want to call? 
No, I want to. Oh, I want to say there's a payphone right there. <laughs> if you have some knives, you want to I, use. I wanted to just take a second and and uh, just uh, you know a lot of people that might be seeing Adrian for the first time, and um, Adrian is uh, he's a he's a new angler, relatively new in in, in the sport. He fishes on the FLW side. I think uh, I think he cracked onto the scene when he won on Lake Champlain in 2012. Big when big won win. a big FLW series big tournament win. up on Lake Champlain. Um, qualified for, what, two or three championships? Yeah, uh, two two FLW championships, um, a few Rayvac championships. But that win right there in, back in 2011... I, I guess you you really say you don't you don't really appreciate it as much when it's that early in your career. I mean, I basically that was the first rayvac I ever fished. That was the first. Uh, I mean, I call it you know one step below professional level event. That was the first one that I have ever fished. So when you go out there and you and you do something like that, you know, I mean, it, you almost you almost think it. I'm not going to call it easy because we all know it's not. But 50 tournaments later, when you don't have another win, I mean, you you, you kind of you look back and appreciate. It, you know, and you just can't wait till you're back there in that position again. Yeah. Well, that that was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. You know, the one thing that you know, we both had a chance to fish with Adrian outside of the bass world. We were out in the. He does some guiding for striper. Yes. We were but, talking uh, about that too. Yeah. A lot. I, I think one of the most amazing things about Adrian is you say you're just getting started in the world of professional fishing, but you really haven't been bass fishing for very long. Yeah, I mean, um, I guess it's been it's been about five years, you know. I mean, I saltwater fished all my life, but um, just growing up, I, I just, I honestly, I, I never really had the drive of, of bass fishing. I really wasn't sure about it, and I didn't know a whole lot about it. I wasn't born into a family that had a lot of fishing history, you know, especially on the competitive side. So once I I started getting through, you know, a bunch of high school sports and getting through the sports, you know, I, I was always active. I played Played a lot of uh, a lot of sports growing up, but once I realized that after high school, after college, you know those things were going to be thrown out. You need to start look, looking towards your future, and and I saw that I could bring, you know, my passion for fishing, um, and I can bring that to possibly, you know, make a lifelong career out of it. I mean, I'm just a competitive person, you know, and and it just suits well. Yeah. Well, that's it's amazing. amazing it's it? amazing how quick that that can happen. Yeah. It took me 15 years, I think, before I fished my first professional tournament before I was ready. So it can take a long time. It can take a long time. That moment's important, though. You know, mm-hmm. that moment when you realize you want to attempt it. Mm-hmm. I can vividly remember that too. Here's another interesting fact: you won at Lake Champlain. That's right. You won at Lake Champlain, and I won at Lake Champlain. Wow. We have three Lake Champlain winners wow. in the room tonight. That's, That's pretty awesome. That's an interesting awesome. tidbit. <laughs> a tiddlywink. Yeah, that is. Round of applause. It is. It is. Yeah. It is. That's amazing. I, maybe we, I think we might get some Lake Champlain questions <laughs> yeah. tonight, maybe. And and here's the other interesting thing. Bry the Carpenter, yep. you, you missed this one, but there's four. So we've got three winners in this room, and you've lost fish at Lake Champlain. <laughs> Absolutely. Now i got a question right. for you guys. Are you guys smallmouth, largemouth? I mean, they're probably going to go ahead and ask that question, but I know Champlain, Ooh. it's just a fish factory, you know? Man. Uh, man, I tell you, I, I'm I'm a mixed bag, man. That's that's what I love say about that Champlain. <laughs> Everybody say knows that again. Next to yeah, I, I love it where you can you know do that dance back and forth between the brown fish and the green fish and uh, you know it, it's so hard uh, on Champlain sometimes to get all big largemouth and it's nice to be able to get them big smallmouth because a lot of times they're a lot easier to get but uh, 
I, I like the mixed bags. Yeah. I, I have to agree. I have to agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think there are times when you need both. Mm-hmm. I'd rather catch largemouth, but I want smallmouth in my pocket, so I'm going to say both. Yeah. Good answer. Good answer. You you won uh, now you won that tournament down south. You, you made green. the long run, didn't All you? All green. Yeah, I mean, I think. Um I think for for an example, like people that fish Champlain and, and they understand it a little bit, and especially the guys that experience Ticonderoga. I mean, there's just certain times of year when you just simply can't beat it. You know, I think uh, Champlain, uh, for example, just that lower end of it, it just has the the vast area of grass and, and different vegetations, and I feel like uh, it's just it's just populated with a lot of really big largemouth. And I feel like whenever it's fishing right, I mean, it's it's tough to beat that south end but i just think the last couple of years i mean you look at those tournaments you know some of them been one up north here the last couple of years so i mean i just i think it's just timing you know but the year that i fished i mean there was eight of the top 10 that were that were down there yeah, that's amazing yeah. but the, the, the biggest problem with that and what is haunted going south on champlain all what? these years is that massive boat ride through the through the belly of the beast Sound effect, sound effect. Yeah. You, wind, you have a wind or weather sound effect back there, right? Yeah. Anything. Fizzling tire. Did you run into that? I mean, uh, yeah. that's that's a big problem. You go down there and you can't get back, or you, it takes you four hours to get back. How, did, yeah, how was and the weather that's, for you? And that was a neat deal, too. I mean, I I just recently purchased my first Bass Cat, and it was a couple weeks prior to that tournament. And um, I basically, it was the first time I ever had it in the water, honestly. And I brought it to Champlain, and and I had a Triton prior to that, and and man, I was happy to be in a Cougar FTD because, like you said, I mean, it was slick calm, just like every other tournament seems like we get down there. It was five, six days prior to the event, and that first day of the tournament, it was blowing like 25, and it did that every single day. And um, I mean, it's just it's nice being in a Bass Cat. I can say that. I tell you, they, I got to agree. I know we're all you know we work with the company, but man, that boat is nice in the big water. It's awesome. And you got you got to try that out. Awesome. Big water, awesome boat, no, no doubt. Big time, big time. Now you alluded to this. I want to expand on it. You mentioned that we both fish with Adrian out, a little, out, in, the, out in the salt, the little striper fishing. Yeah. But I want to know. We had uh, we had a our show last time was we had some amazing hunters on the show, and we paralleled the similarities and mm-hmm. how hunting helped them in the fishing world. Tell me a little bit about that because I I got to see it work out there, and I saw you doing things that I wouldn't do in freshwater. You had this innate knowledge of the moves and where to set up and all that, that's had to have helped you in the freshwater a little bit. Tell me about those parallels. Yeah, I think, um, like, for an example, I mean, we look at it now, but over the last five years, the electronics on the freshwater side have just boomed. I mean, you look yeah. at Lawrence, it just came out with another new unit that's going to, you know, be much better than the last one, and it seems like it's always improving. And I feel like um, the saltwater side, you know, electronics were crucial for us 20 years ago, you know. So I think just understanding and having that little bit of a jump start when I first came into the sport, you know, I came into it roughly four four years ago or so. And that was right when the electronics really started to develop and we started to get different features like the side scan, the structure scan. Um, so I think my understanding of the electronics uh, was crucial. Um, and then, like like Mike said, too, a little bit about um, being able to set up on a on an isolated spot. Um, I think triangulating is huge, you know, especially freshwater fishing when you're trying to get over top of a small yep. brush pile. A lot of times electronics, you know, you kind of got to throw them out a little bit and you got to use what's surrounding you. 
you. I'm telling just to inject here, we, we had to set up the day we fished together on a piece of structure about a couple miles off the beach. And uh, we, we were in a massive boat. How big is that boat we were in? It's 43 foot. 43 foot. Wow. Had to set an set anchor and somehow get that boat positioned off a piece of cover that was probably as big as this room out in the middle of the ocean. I, I was just really amazed at your, your abilities That's to amazing. get us on that type of cover. And you could see where, that, man, that could certainly play in, in deep water, freshwater fishing, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, what what else is uh, translated from salt water to fresh? I drop mean, shot think, and tog. Yeah. <laughs> we did that. We did that. We too. did do a little drop yeah. shot and tog. Yeah, I mean, it's just the, the. I mean, there's a lot of similarities, you know, and I can just keep on naming them. But I mean, I think the biggest thing is just being able to understand how to how to run boats, how to position boats, electronics, and a lot of the fishing's the same too. You know, I mean, like we, we brought back tog fishing a little bit. I mean, basically, like Mike, I mean, he brought busted out a drop shot and he was drop shot and tog. I mean, it's all really similar. Um, how how you're just being able to feel the bottom, being able to detect bites, um, and a lot of that stuff. I mean, we do a lot of artificial fishing uh, for these saltwater fish as well. Um, so I mean, it all just it all correlates you know i mean there's a bunch of similarities and i mean i'm just really fortunate that i had that jump start when i first came in or else like i mean like you said i mean there, it, there's no way possible i mean you can go from not freshwater fishing at all to be able to do what i did over the course of only a couple of years without the knowledge that i had uh saltwater fishing sure back do we got any, any i am questions coming in back there do we have anybody from the north pole uh, I am in tonight. <laughs> Any of the elves? Are... They're like answering their own questions. They're answering really their own questions. Really interesting. Well, I actually have one. We, uh, Adrian, we put out uh, a little questionnaire to our fans when we know the guest. And here's one that we had that I thought was interesting. This came from Sheila. I don't know who Sheila is. And her question was, has anyone ever confused confused you with someone from the cast of the Jersey Shore? <laughs> you know, I get that all the time, and I'm sure, I'm sure I'm sure Mike gets it too, and and Pete as well. I mean, that's more North Jersey, you know. I mean, that's the first thing people mention is that reality TV it. show. I'm no, trying, not at I'm all. I mean, to, I'm I, not a hardcore Italian. You know, I mean, I'm, I call maybe, myself maybe a mutt. I'm half German, half Italian. But I mean, that, it's How just. Are your abs? <laughs> no, not, not good. We got to keep that off camera, okay. but but uh, I mean, we just get it all the time. You know, it's kind of funny. I mean, Mike. I mean, he looks more like one with a flat brim hat, but I mean, I don't wear one like that all How the time. So, yeah. How you doing? But, I mean, it's doing it's funny. Right. I got something for you, Adrian. There's a guy here who's willing to give you a hundred dollars if you wear that hat at a takeoff all year. Tell Whoa. him deal, deal. A hundred dollars? That's good money. Tell him first event Toho. Does, I, we need to find out if that means a hundred dollars an event or just a hundred dollars. It should be in a hundred dollars an event, in, in my opinion. Even if it's a hundred dollars total, that's still more money than Brian ever made tournament fishing in his whole life. So that's pretty good. And there was that. Hey, Adrian, any yeah. chance you'll uh, go to BASS? Oh, good question. Who asked that question, by the way? Becky. <laughs> did they not put? The you'd name? have to. You, they did, but you'd have to give me like five minutes to scroll back down okay. on that. Okay. I mean, I think uh, I think the biggest thing when it comes to tournament fishing is you just want to look at what your future entails. And I mean, I think right now, uh, fishing FLW side, it really allowed me. I mean, at first I started on on the college program that FLW had, and it just one thing led to another. You know, I fished a Rayovac level, and now I'm fishing FLW tour. Can I see myself one day fishing the bass side? I mean, yeah, probably. Um, I mean, but I just think 
it, it all just takes time. I mean, I think it's good, you know, that I didn't jump over there right away. Um, I think FLW, I mean, they have a great program going on over there, and I'm really fortunate in fishing with them. And I think one day, I mean, this is something that I'm really looking future-wise. I mean, I'd love to do this for the rest of my life, and I'd really like to try and fish both sides, at least right now. I mean, I don't have a whole lot of responsibility. I don't have a Becky back there, you know, in my ear, and I don't have, you know, beautiful <laughs> kids like you have. But um, right now is the time that I could really try. And, and 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 jumpstart my career. So yeah. I mean, I think what I would try and do is fish both before I just made the jump to yeah. bass. But you've done a little bit differently. I, you know, I, I think most people watching the show know, but you've built up your own brand and your own sponsors outside of the FLW tour, which I think is a very unique approach. Uh, you know, a lot of guys have really resounded to let FLW build their brand and their sponsors and their career, which mm-hmm. I think is a mistake. But you haven't taken that route. You've done mm-hmm. it different. I mean, if you were to switch today, all your sponsors go with you. You don't have any sponsors bound to FLW, correct? Yeah, and that's, and that's something I looked at, too. I mean, one thing growing up, my grandfather, he would never let me do anything until I got my degree. And I went to school for business, and I mean, I really feel like um, taking those classes, no matter how boring they were and how many you know checklists I was writing for my next tournament I was going to fish, I mean, but just being able to understand the business side of it, I mean, I, feel, I think that also helped me. I mean, for me, how I look at it... Um, Fishing the FLW side, and and we can kind of talk about maybe one of those team deals or something like that. Um, you're you're devoted to them, so if you have one main sponsor and if you lose him, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. But how I looked at it is, I'm going to go out and I'm going to try and develop the relationships with some people, and I'm going to try and really, you know, get closer to my sponsors. And I feel like when you do it that way, yeah, I feel like you're better off. You know, that's you're right actually creating a relationship with your sponsors. I mean, that's what I want. You know, so that's the right way to do it. And I and I got it. Why we're on this topic? This is a good kind of turning point here. And and I want to commend you on something that I've seen you do an amazing job of is uh, promotion through content and the social media side. You've done that extremely well. I mean, we we get calls here all the time, especially on the after-hour show, and, you know, they're, they're aspiring guys, and, and they say, you know, how do you get sponsors, and what do I do, and how do I attract sponsors? Man, I want to tell everybody, look at what Adrian's doing, mm-hmm. especially on the social media and content side. I think it's amazing. You've done a great job at that. Did did you figure that out on your own, or what what was it? Yeah, I mean, I mean, just just for anything, I mean, I think. Anymore, I mean, that's everything. The social media is side to, I mean, pretty much all sports, and especially ours in particular. I mean, I think it's essential. I mean, there's so many people now that are go- going through the ranks, going through the programs now with you know, Bass and FLW coming out with these high school programs, these college programs. So it's only going to get tougher, honestly. Um, being a younger guy, getting uh, getting into the sport, really trying to trying to get better than the next guy, I would say. But just taking advantage of everything that you have, and social media is huge, especially with the new GoPro cameras, being able to get awesome footage, um, and just really, I mean, just trying to take advantage of that, and I mean, that's what I've been doing, and I feel like, I mean, it's helped me in a lot of ways. I can definitely say a lot of my sponsors over the last couple years, I mean, they came from social media, so I mean, I'm just happy to happy to try and grow my fan base, you know, I mean, hopefully one day, you know, I'll have a, I'll have a big following, and I'll be, um, I'll be... Next Mike Iconelli, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> I like it. You're, but, well, you're, I think you're doing a great job. Like well, I, I think you're doing an awesome job with that. And it's it's different what's going on now. You bring up the social media. Back when we got started, 
We uh, we worked with the outdoor writers. Tin can and a string, right? <laughs> <laughs> there were no, there was no social. Media. There was no social. There media. were no cell phones. Nah, not, and then they didn't work too good when we got them. <laughs> but the, uh, you know, we we had to deal with the writers, and that's how we, you know, were able to get exposure for our sponsors and do work in this industry. And yep. you had to, man, you had to get some credentials before writers would even talk to you, and it was it was very very difficult. Now. With social media, you can you can get your brand out there and and you can connect with you know and fans can connect with you and uh, so fast and you don't have to wait you know you don't have to wait to you know get into the you know an outdoor writer to do a piece with you or get an interview for you know Bassmasters or FLW on the TV show yeah. you know you can you can start building your brand right now. That's yeah, right. and just to just to uh, basically tell the the viewers and the people that are looking at the show, I mean. I was told this, I guess, about three or four years ago, and it's just a its a short quote that, I mean, it just stuck with me, and it's something that I'll always remember. But this guy, he came up to me, and it was just, it was right after a tournament. I think I had a decent event, and he came up to me, and he says, man, he says, I like i like the way, you know, you do things, and, and, and I liked how, you know, you took the 15 minutes to talk to me after this tournament. You know, you could have easily blown me off. But he said, he said, listen, kid, I just want to tell you one thing. I said, or he told me, he said, just remember, any more now with social media, it all comes down to not who you know, but who knows you. And just take advantage of it and be smart about it. And he just told me that. And, I mean, it just made so much sense, you know, especially from a business side. I mean, just to be the person you are, to be the person that your kids want you to be, and just to go out there and, and, and just be a good person and try and promote the sport as best as you can. And, I mean, that's just basically what I've been trying to do. Well, that's a good well, point. Yeah, it's well done. I agree. That's a good point. I got I, lots of stuff for you back You got there. some IMs back there. I got lots. Come on, I'm back I'm just going to shoot a handful out, and you just pick and choose what you want to answer. No, we're answering all of them. What do you got? All right. So a lot of this um, comes from Adrian and talking about going to college. And um, I guess, Adrian, what was the big turning point for you to make the jump from college to FLW Tour? Hold on. There's more. Uh, is fishing in college critical to have successful career if you're starting out? Um Adrian, I guess you started a fishing team at college? Question mark. I, that was a tough question. Um, All right, that's too many. <laughs> the last one though is Adrian. Did you get disqualified in a college qualifier? Is there something scandalous you want to tell us? Scandalous. <laughs> no. Were you on the naughty Where's the list? sound effect? <laughs> oh, hold on. Where's the sound effect. <laughs> was that a gunshot? Did I just get shot. <laughs> what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we just have to uh, pause. this is horrible. This is a bad sound yeah, effect. That's a bad thing. <laughs> Don't do that one anymore. Just to to kind of go through it a little bit. Um, I mean, I'll just start on some of the questions I remember. I know Becky, she blasted me there, but uh, <laughs> the first, I guess I I'll, I'll just go start. I mean. What I what I did in 2009 was the first year FLW College Fishing started their program, and and I immediately jumped onto it. A, a buddy of mine, who's actually a mentor of mine, Dominic Simone, he's the one that that introduced me to this, and he's kind of the one that you know taught me a lot of the stuff that I know about tournament fishing. And 2009 is when I started that program, and I mean I think it was one of the best things I ever did because it allows you to really experience professional fishing but at a college level and it's just the costs are a lot less um you get the atmosphere you get to kind of understand how the sport works and i highly recommend all those that do go to college to at least do that for a few years um it just really allows you to 
to understand on how the sport works and 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 um, it, it just gives you an awesome feel for what you're going to be enduring if you do try and, and do it professionally. Dominic, uh, you brought up uh, a character, Dominic Simone. Uh, he's right from Vineland, New Jersey, and uh, Dominic uh, is actually Dominic and I competed together in the federation, and we qualified and won. The New Jersey, well, it was actually the, the Northern Divisional on uh, Lake Sebago in Maine. Wow. Um, and it was, you know, so Dominic and I have a, have a history, and I didn't know that we were connected until we went fishing that day. Yeah. And I, I found out that Dominic uh, and I were connected to Adrian together. And uh, Dominic is, a, is another special character. He's a, he's a poli- was a police officer, uh, and he had a heart transplant. Wow. He he had a heart transplant and recovering from his heart transplant. Right, he had it just before the divisional. It shows the passion that he has for fishing wow. and that he was able to convey and share that with Adrian but recovering from a heart transplant against his doctor's orders <laughs> competed in the divisional. In the divisional. Major wow. fish head. That's crazy. <laughs> that's a true fish head that's right there. That's a hardcore there. fish head right there. <laughs> wow, Big time. That's awesome. See, Becky, you threw too many questions at once. Now we can't remember what they yeah. were. <laughs> and, and for that DQ, I was definitely not DQ'd, so we can kind of go back towards that one. You can be DQ'd. Nah. People in this room have been DQ'd. I've, I've got the record on DQ's, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I think I have the bass record. I think we I'm had, six you are, or seven. You are an expert. I am an expert at DQ. <laughs> Absolutely. Hey, speaking of um, tournaments and anglers, so... The list came out today with all the BASS pros for next it year. Did. It what did. What are everyone's thoughts that the field wow. is so large? Yeah, well, it's kind of interesting. What I think is interesting about it, I, I'm not going to say it's wrong or right. I'm, I'm going to take a neutral side on it politically. But I thought it was interesting that Bass came out and said, no, we're cutting it this year. Only the top 70 guys through these qualifications are getting it, and that's it. And then I looked at the list today, and everybody got picked. What is it, 115? Uh, it's the largest bass elite field, I think, in history, right, wow. if, I, if I'm correct. Um, so it's essentially well, everybody that fished last year, or most of the guys, mm-hmm. and a lot of new guys coming. Yeah. So it's interesting. I, I, it's funny, because I had just looked at that list today, and yeah. I, I was noticing that. I didn't really notice the number was that big. But I, what I, there's one thing that they did, which I kind of liked and I thought was a good move, is regarding the rookies, the, the new guys coming in. Because you get you get shocked, man. I mean, your first year out on the elites. Yeah. I mean, you're 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 staring right into you know some powerful fishermen that can get the job done on in any condition, and it's hard. It's a difficult proposition. So they're giving those rookies two years, two yeah. years. You know, letting them. That's, you know, that's smart. Letting them struggle, and yeah. you know, and then if you're number two, if you're not cutting it, well, it is what it is, man. We're in the business of competing, so yeah, you know, but being able to give those rookies two years i thought that was a i thought that was a good move by that was Bass. a good move that was a good move what do you think about it back there brian the carpenter who's yawning uh-huh. i caught you put your put your <laughs> is the show that there. boring that you're yawning or? yeah man i'm kind of tired okay put your face on yeah we like to see who you are by the way uh can you i, I think it was most interesting that becky brought up a new topic that has nothing to do with the script that i carefully <laughs> Crafted for tonight's Beck, show. Beck, you're not following this with script. Times and, and a time Brian there. created I've this. I've never been good at following directions. I thought that was interesting. <laughs> okay, can we get? Is there any any possibility at this point that we can get um, 
like sleigh bells sound effects? No. Bells? No. Anything. Anything that would be semi Christmas sound. Let me try here. Anything. <laughs> now, that was a fart. We actually need like something that sounds like somebody coming down a chimney. I got it. A Go. chimney? Chimney. A Tibetan that's, symbol. That's, that's it's not it. It's a symbol. It's uh, not even a symbol. I, I want to announce that we. I don't know if you knew this, but for the folks that uh, folks at home that don't know Ike Life Studios, we actually have we have a chimney in the back of the studio. Am I saying that right, chimney? No, there's no L. Chimney, and uh, <laughs> we had we have a very special guest. That just came down the chimney. Uh, I, want him, I want him to come out here. Mr. Hansen, come out here. <laughs> come on out. There he is. Come, out, yeah, come on out here. Uh, so sit, next yeah, sit next to Bill for a second. Give us a... There you go. John, how you doing tonight? Thank you for coming good. down the chimney. Man, I... I'm good. I gotta, I gotta say, uh, how'd you get down that thing? First of all, well, it wasn't easy. Uh, a lot of butter. They okay. lube me up, <laughs> slide me right down. Is that? I was wondering how Santa the, actually does that. So he's he's starting to let into some of the secrets. It's magic. Is it butter or is it Pam? Is it the spray in a can? No, we we like to use the butter. The Pam doesn't. Uh, it's not as slick as butter. Okay. Well, I gotta tell you, thank you for coming and making sure that it's working because I know that's what you're here for. You're you're prepping. For Santa, let, let everybody bright. Let's get a shot of this. Uh, this this right. Look at that. Yeah, yeah spread out here a little. That's John. disgusting. That is. Is that perfect? That. that is a mess. That is. Ooh, the, that's the most amazing Christmas sweater I think I've ever seen in my life, Pete. Look at that. I love. There's fruit nothing cake. like fruitcake. Oh my gosh! Can, can you tell? <laughs> can you tell us about the origin of this sweater? Well, me and my wife have been going to uh, ugly sweater sweater parties for a while, and uh, this was the sweater from two years ago, and we just dolled it up a little bit extra this year. Wow. I, I mean, I got to admit, I, I think we had, we kind of had a contest going on tonight. I didn't announce this, but the, uh, the winner of the ugliest sweater contest is you. No doubt. You're the winner. Nicely done. Nicely done. The job. best the best part was my daughter comes down the stairs and I had it laid out because we did some add-ons. We put the garland on it this morning <laughs> or last night. And she walks up to it. She's three years old and she says, that is an ugly sweater. <laughs> Swear to God, me and my wife are rolling. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's very impressive. I can tell you. It's, it's awesome. Bill, yours is not ugly. Yours yeah, is actually, ugly. they didn't tell me it was an ugly sweater. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah, They yours. asked me to dress up. And and by the way, uh, Hanson, handsome Hanson, your uh, prize is a your, your prize is a fruitcake. It is, it is, <laughs> regift. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I got to tell you that sweater I like. Now that I actually would wear that like that, and I'm looking at that sweater. That's the kind of sweater I would wear to like a steakhouse. You know what I mean? It has that look to it, like. It, it, it reminds me of a steakhouse sweater. Like, I don't often wear sweaters, but when I do, I wear good ones. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, I like it. I, I think it's amazing. I think it's amazing. Uh, Brian Carpenter, what do we got next since you're so big on lists? What, where are we at here? <laughs> uh, well, we can uh, play that promo and come Let, back in. and. Let's, let's do this. That's a good idea. Brian Carpenter suggested this. I'm going to give him all the credit. What we're going to do is we're going to play... That little promo clip for for 20 feet deep. Uh, want you to check out the promo clip. When we're done with that clip, we're going to come back and talk to Bill. We're going to talk to Bill. Uh, we want to hear about what's going on with you, uh, and we want to hear a little bit about 
to Bash University and fill us in on, on what's going on because a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Oh, we've got tons of things. This is going to be an awesome year. Okay, so hold up. We're going to play this clip. We're going to come right back. Don't leave. Stay tuned. Watch this clip. Brian Carpenter. Not me anymore. Ow. Folks at home, folks at home, that wasn't much of a break. Let me get my, uh, let me get my mask back on here. Uh, hey, I got a guy at home that wants you to keep saying ho, 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 because his daughter thinks you're really Santa Claus. Okay. Ho, ho, ho. Have you been a good boy? Poor girl. What do you want for Christmas? Ha! <laughs> you want to come sit on my lap, Pete? <laughs> the fruitcake might want to come over. The fruitcake. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He might. He might. Hey, can I say something real quick? Yes. You can say something. We get a ton of questions about kayak fishing every show. We do. So I think that you should probably either comment on kayak fishing or we should make a point to have a big segment on kayak fishing with maybe a kayak fishing guest next time. That's a great idea. Because we get a lot of... Kayak fishing is exploding. It's giant. It's It's huge. 500, 600 member clubs all over the country. It's grown. And we've actually addressed kayak fishing a lot on the show, uh, but but let's address it real quick again. I got to tell you that I love it because it's 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 accessible to everybody. I mean, uh, you know, we're sitting here talking about forty and fifty thousand dollar bass boats, and 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 you know that to to a certain demographic that's okay, but a kayak. I mean, gosh, you you can go anywhere and get a kayak. Mm-hmm. You, whenever you're ready, Bill, take your time. Uh, <laughs> you know, kayak fishing is so accessible to anybody. Bill is on the national pro staff uh, with a kayak company. I didn't know that. Yes, and he has a lot to say on. The, well, let's talk about, about that. About, Bill, about put, put your fishing. earphones on. Let's talk about that a little bit. We had while you were gone, um, we had a question about uh, or a comment uh-huh. about kayak fishing. About you know. How this is a growing sport. Tell us a little bit about what about what you're doing with the kayak guys. Well, actually, I represent uh, the state of Massachusetts with Native Kayaks, and they actually have a a model called the Propel. The Propel has a pedal system, but it's totally different than anyone else that's out there because it actually looks like a miniature trolling motor that you drop in and you pedal, but it goes forward and backwards. It's in the front or the back? No, it's right in front of you. So you just drop it right in there. It uh-huh. has an adjustable seat, yep. sit-on-top kayak, and it's it comes in several sizes. They just came out with, I believe, a new 10-footer. Yep. Uh, you, can, you can check them out there. But that's what enticed me about it because... 
I really don't want to paddle. <laughs> I'll be honest with you. Oh, you know, I really you're don't one want of to those lazy bastards. You got it right, but yeah. it made so much sense to me because I can use both hands. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, uh, uh, and your, your hands are basically true. free. Yeah. Yes, there is a rudder, a yeah. little control for the for the rudder. But as you uh, get apt in using it, you can actually uh, hard push on one side, if you will, and backpedal yeah. a little bit and turn real sharp. It's cool. Uh, but basically, the the way they're doing the tournaments um, is it's uh, catch, photograph, and, re- and release. Okay, is what you do. You have a. Uh, a tape measure, if you will, that you actually have to go ahead and or, or a ruler and put the fish on it and take your own pictures. And that's a little bit difficult. Guys have lost fish doing that, so yeah. you know they're still kind of weighing that out. But kayak fishing is affordable. It's growing. It's and growing. It, it's accessible. It to people. It's totally accessible. And you can fish a lot of places. You little can. ponds, which are sometimes yeah. the best. Those oh, little without places a doubt. are amazing. Yeah, there's actually going to be a national trail that's coming out, and right up in this area, I believe one of the first tournaments is. Is going to be in Pennsylvania. Um, hey, folks, make sure you go to that Edison show, uh, which is coming up in January. Uh, we're going to be there in a booth, and they're going to they're going to be information on kayak fishing there, and stop by and see us and talk about it because yeah. everything that we teach in the Bass University can be utilized in in kayak fishing or fishing from the shore because. We're not, we're not all, they're not all, our pros are not always talking about just being in a boat. Because not everybody has a boat. Yeah, no, it's a lot of crossover. Yeah, so there's a huge crossover. Patterns, theories that that go outside of just a bass boat. And let me jump back real quick and say that, uh, thank you for the comments about the kayaks. I think it's a great idea. I think Mm -hmm. we should have a kayak-based show. Absolutely. That's a great idea for one of our shows for 2015. I, I agree. Mm-hmm. Bank, kayak, yep. you know, all that type of stuff. That Rebecca, write a out. note on Carp. the race board back there on that. Snagging fish. Snagging fish. Just draw a little kayak. We're going to do that. But the the real legit kayak guys that have posted on here, they're going to tweet Brian the Carpenter. They're going to tweet he's Brian. Gonna, he's going to weed them out and find the real, okay. real mm-hmm. deals. All right. So if you're the real deal, if you're the real deal kayak fisherman, Please send us a message via Twitter or IM. Leave your contact info. You may be on the next Ike Live. But let's jump back into it. Bill, you mentioned Bash University. Mm -hmm. You said Edison. This is exciting because we're sitting here, Pete, on the heels of a brand new season of Bash University. In fact, we have one of the speakers, Adrian, who spoke with us last year at Edison is here. Mm -hmm. Man, I'm stoked. Uh, Hopefully he'll be with us here in Massachusetts. Yep. Uh, for this upcoming tell, year. Tell us a little bit about, for for everybody that doesn't know, Bash University is something Pete and, and I have been working on for a while, but what do we got coming up Man. that's exciting? What's new and exciting? We've, we've got we've got so much that's uh, that's happening with Bash University. Um, it's our sixth season. That's awesome. We've is got, it six already? This is number six. Wow. Yeah. wow. Yeah. How'd that happen, Bill? I don't, How'd six years go past that fest? Excellent coordination, great management, <laughs> super instructor. <laughs> what it is? Wow. Okay. <laughs> Excellent MC work. That's true. That's well, I'm going to get back to that. But, but what, what do we got? That's what do we got? That's new. Well, you know, there's a couple things that are new. We have a couple new locations. 
I guess is is first. Uh, we're going to be in uh, Columbus, Ohio. Wow! Which is uh, man, it, it it's it's one of the it's a hotbed for bass fishing. Yep, Midwest. Yeah, absolutely. It's the Pittsburgh area, Ohio. They have some tough bodies of water out there, but man, they are passionate about their fishing, and they also got Lake Erie. Uh, which is just to the north. So they've got some great fishing. But we're going to be in Columbus, Ohio uh, this year. We're going back to Chicago, which we haven't been to. Chi-Town, uh, great yeah, place for us for, in the past. For, for a couple years. So that yeah. that, that stuff is kind of you know, new for us this year. We're going to be back in some places. We'll be in Massachusetts. We're going to be uh, also in New Jersey, as Bill mentioned. Mm-hmm. Is We're starting out in Edison, New Jersey this year. And Looking we're gonna forward be, to that one. Big we're going to be back in Tulsa. Um, yeah. Which is, we've got a great lineup for every show, but I tell you, one of the biggest, the, the hottest thing is we're going digital this year. Um, what does it, that mean? It's exciting stuff. Uh, <laughs> you know, we we uh, the Bass University man. Our objective is to help anglers move their game to the next level. I don't care whether you're a beginner, you've been doing this a few years, or you've been doing it for 20 years. We want to help you move your game to the next level. And one of the ways that we're going to do it this year is, is by making our products digital. Our course booklets are going to be available on your smartphone, on your device, on your computer, in class. So you're going to be able to take notes. You're going to be able to follow through the course booklets right in class. Our PowerPoints that our instructors are have produced are themselves are going to be available on your smartphone yeah. uh, in class. You So you can click right along with it. Wow. You can take your notes there. You can take. We're also going to have booklets where yeah. you can take notes if you want to there. But you can you can follow along. And most importantly, you, you'll have that information when you go home. You wow. know, that, that stuff's going to you know be downloadable. Uh, it's going to be something that you're going to be able to have for the, for the course of the next year as you go through the seasons and you try to implement all the techniques and the training that you've yeah. that you heard in January, you know, and now it's June and these fish are post-spawn and yeah. you're remembering Adrian's conversation about how to flip in the grass or something and you're going to be able to go back to your notes and go back to, you know, your PC and, and, wow. and look at that stuff as you prepare for your next trip. What a neat feature, man. Yeah, we're going digital. That's awesome. Going digital, Bill. And, and let me tell everybody, uh, Bill, i gotta, I got to talk you up a little bit here. Uh, you are the backbone, I want to say, of our classes. And, and, and you're kind of like, um, I'll put it in modern terms, you're like the official hype man of the Bash University. So what I'm saying is you're like Flavor Flav. Flav! But you're, but you're white and you don't wear a clock. I do my yeah. best every day I go. I'm telling you, Mike, I don't even know what's coming out or what I'll say, but I can guarantee you it'll be the best day. Wow! <laughs> and even rest! And I tell one other thing that is so awesome, and Pete was talking about this, we have six instructors at every one of our yes. seminars, and our weekends. top pros in the world. Top pros in the world. And on top of that, at every one of our five locations, so six times five, Adrian, college degree, that equals 30. 30? 30. <laughs> wow. 30. Oh 30. Gosh. Bash University TV programs being filmed this year alone wow. at all of our locations. And all of those will be added to the Bash University TV library. Okay? And on top of that, as Pete mentioned, the PowerPoint presentations you guys have been asking for. I know you're listening out there and you're watching. It has been 
a question that I have to say probably from the first year on that because we were you guys you guys are light years ahead of everybody because you want to share everything but you also want to make sure that it's up to date that everybody whether in the front row or the back row can see it and they get it well Pete mentioned how you can go ahead and take it down but if you don't have a computer we're going to have computers there wow there's computers there Jarrett will be there on site but we have 30 shows coming and you're going to get it that that wish that you want it is going to come true thanks to Mike and Pete and enormous amount of work of Jared in the background. The PowerPoint presentations is a reality That's this amazing. year. It is amazing, and it's probably going to be disappointing for you or frustrating because I'm about to tell you. You, yeah. know how, you know how you build a couple very, like maybe two or three advanced presentations? Yes. Because we use them at the different places throughout the year? Yes. But you, you can't do that this year. Okay. You have to You have to provide six wow. brand new okay. uh, uh, seminars for our for our events this okay. year. Okay. Well, actually, right. we should be talking to Becky. Becky, we need you to prepare. Six new seminars for the upcoming season. Do you have time for that? No. In the midst of four kids? No. Okay. Uh, that, that's awesome. I mean, I love it. I love the challenge. Yeah. I love the yeah. fact that it's all new information. And, and, and you know, that, that's I think that's been talked about. I want to dive into something else with you, Bill, real all quick. Right. And this is something I love talking to you about, is there's more to the Bash University than just that hardcore information. That's the core of it. You get stuff you don't get anywhere else. You leave there with tons of info. But talk to, to the folks at home a little bit about the interaction, the experience. What it's and like I mean, to be. That's something special <laughs> because you see it better than anybody. You see the one-on-one interactions. You see Adrian and some guy talking off in the corner. And that Absolutely. doesn't get publicized. Tell, tell everybody what that means to the students. That's important. Well, one of the things is we start off, and I let all the students know at every one of our locations that, consider if you ever fished a pro-am, the pro's in the front of the boat. And you have to, you have kind of have that invisible line. You can't go up there. Well, it's totally different at the Bash University. The students are in the front of the boat. The students yeah. are the stars. And they get, they they get to pick your brains apart and dive into your actual tackle boxes and see. We have a hands-on opportunity after we do a couple of our seminars. We break up into uh, group sessions. And you as a student have the opportunity to go wherever you want. In addition to that, we also have our sponsors there who have products such as Fishity and Whole Speed and, and, and on and on and on. They have their booths there to help to help out. So it's pretty unique. But Every student there gets their questions answered. Our pros don't get up and leave. They're there for the entire day. Yeah, one-on-one time. And it That's is unique. a one-on-one time. That's you know, bring in your maps. Bring in your questions. I've always said that if you're going to go to a sportsman show, take a look before you go at who the vendors are and what you want to get out of it. Yeah. Find out where they're boosting. Don't be mainstream that you just keep walking around and miss them. Yeah. At the Bass University, that's the way it is. Prepare yourself to come in, and uh, you're going to have a fantastic time because there's nothing that goes unturned. Yeah. And we make sure that happens. Yeah. We really do. We go it's out our own way. Fun. It's fun. You know, always it's, it's fun. We have more fun telling stories and and mostly yeah. lies. And a lot of lies. Some of those stories. Yeah. I, and, but, and, <laughs> and I got to tell everybody. I've uh, Bill mentioned you get a chance to go into the pros tackle boxes. Mm-hmm. 
I've been in Pete's tackle box. I've been yeah. in Pete's toolbox, and it's a freaking mess in there. It is. Uh, it's a dirty, disgusting mess. I just thought I would say that. To well, you. I appreciate you sharing. You're that. welcome. The, uh, the Spider-Man one's pretty good. The, uh, I mean, you, factory you, hooks laid all over the place. Rust. I mean, you know, you know, fish formula, sparkle I, scales, I, I, rub. I have a theory that you, you know, people like to buy a lot of scents and fish formulas. Rust isn't. Excellent fish attractants. <laughs> well, the iron, right? Tastes it's, like blood. Well, right. actually, it gives the fish lock jaw when they bite, and they never let go. <laughs> it makes sense. We have, we have so much fun at the Bass University, and that's one that's one yeah, thing that absolutely uh, you know that, that that is important about us. It's January. It's February. So we're a lot of places we're going are going to have three foot of snow on the ground. Cabin fevers in full effect. Man, we're we're talking bass fishing. We're talking about lures and and experiences and sharing, and it's a it's a lot of fun. I tell you. As a speaker, man, we, I have a great time. Yeah, I, I gotta tell you, if nothing else, if you don't want to hear any of the pros, if we have six of the, the most unbelievable pros on the bill, and you don't want to hear them, just come and listen to Bill. He's like a one-man stand-up act. Uh, he, he's worth the money, right there. So. Yeah, and I mean, I can I can kind of go back and firsthand, and I mean, I was at both ends of it. You know, just in a matter of a few years. I mean, I remember going to my first Bass University class and and being able to watch. Um, Ike and Ellie speak. Um, I, I also watched Pete Lusick talk. I remember I watched Dave Wolak. Just, I mean, some of the top professionals in the world. And I mean, I think aside to all the information, that one-on-one interaction was the biggest thing for me. I mean, just to be able to talk to people who you idolize, you know, firsthand, just even ask personal questions. I mean, it's just an awesome opportunity for anybody um, that's just looking to either get closer to, like, people that they idolize or just to gain that knowledge. And I mean, it was awesome. Great, great class. Great, great format. Uh, Brian the Carpenter, uh, I see you back there with a with a fuzzy ball over top of your head. Uh, what, what do we got going on back there? How, how are we doing on on your curriculum? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> how are we doing on your curriculum, uh, Brian? I think good, man. I th- we're think uh, you know we're. Okay. Well, ten minutes past. All right, we're ten minutes past. That's okay. So that's the cue, uh, and I think what we're going to do here is, this is a great segue. We've had a great first part of the show. We're going to take a short break. Brian the Carpenter, if he does anything right, I think he's going to get a little Christmas music. No. No. Remember the conversation we had earlier? I don't. All right. Okay. <laughs> we, we, can't, we can't play music. We can't. And go to that spot. Oh, we can't. No. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, Go ahead. Right. Go ahead. Work yourself out of it. Uh, I, got, I got something that might help. Yes. We we got to mention, uh, right now, we have great Bash University promotion going ah, on. Okay. Oh, yeah. This will be the segue. Yeah. Wait a minute. Okay. So before Pete talks about the promotions, after this, Brian, we're going to go into... We're going to go right into it. We're going to go right now, Aaron Martins. Yes. Okay. Let, let, let us everybody know. What do we got? <laughs> Here's what we got. Well, first off, check it out at thebashuniversity.com. You can uh, register for a class there. You can subscribe to Bash University TV. But right now we have our holiday promotion. We have our stocking stuffer promotion. Whether you buy a ticket for the class, whether you subscribe, we're going to send you a T-shirt. We're going to send you some Rapala lures. We're going to send you a lot of goodies, autograph pictures from me, and some other guy, Ike and Ellie, you know, <laughs> the uh, yes, some autograph pictures and a lot of cool stuff. So you can check that out at, at thebashuniversity.com. Sam's getting a beer. 
Santa's getting a beer. <laughs> so, but we're you know one of the other cool new things for Bass University uh, this year is uh, we, the tackle. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we work closely with Tackle Warehouse, and uh, you know what a great group to work with. And we've got uh, the tackle shop on the BassUniversity.com, and the the pros talk about the baits, their confidence lures, the tricks, the little subtle things that that. You know uh, that you can't get anywhere else, and we're working hard with Tackle Warehouse this year to expand that uh, for the for our guys, so they can go to the tackle shop. And you know when you're talking about the trailers that I use or Mike uses or these specific lures, you're you're going to be able to go right to that place and see everything that he talked about during that seminar. And if you decide you want to get that color he's using or try some new one, it's all going to be right there at the at the fingertips. So that's another really cool new part of the Bass University this year. Speaking of the tackle warehouse too, our students that attend the Bass University get a super discount. On discount. everything, very very deep. Yeah, at Tackle Warehouse that, that's on right. e- anything and everything that they you know. It's, 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 it's it. That's pretty that's yeah. interesting to just say. A lot of guys save their big purchases for the year till they come to our class. Yes. If you're going to buy a power pole, you know, if you're going to buy a sonar, sonar. unit, if you're going to buy something like that, a Roman made, yeah, the mother, come, come to the vast four hundred bucks. You'll save. You'll save a lot of money uh, through Tackle Warehouse on the discounts that we offer in class. You'll pay for your ticket. Oh, easily. For the class. Yeah. Right there. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I think uh, I think we're at the section of the show yeah. where are we are we ready, Bry? Yeah, I already put the title up. Okay, uh, <laughs> I didn't see that. Uh, if you, yeah, I'm, I'm a step behind. Uh, joining us uh, via satellite, via Skype, via cell phone, via modern technology. <laughs> I believe he's at home. We're going to ask him in a second. Joining us live is the one, the only, A. Aaron, Aaron Martins. Aaron Martins, everybody. How's John, man? How Merry you Christmas, doing? Everybody. How you doing? Merry I'm, Christmas. I'm assuming you're home, Aaron. Are you home? I am home. Okay, it's good to be home this time of the year. I'm sorry, Ike, what's that? It's good to be home. Oh yeah, but it gets you get kinda after a couple weeks of it you're like something's missing, like the the road or something. I know. Yeah, what's that's because you're a gypsy like we all are. Uh, are you are you getting in the Christmas spirit? I see the tree behind you. I got the tree. I got two trees. That's an artificial. I got a real one in another room. This is my. This is our little office. And I got my little hat on. That's my kid's hat. It's actually squeezing my head pretty tight. Cool. <laughs> I, that, a that's a headache's coming up in a little bit. I, I like it. I don't have no beard, man. Are you, are you sporting a beard right now? I got the beard. I have actually have a full beard. Uh, it, it's a oh. month month and a half in, Aaron. So, Jeez. by the classic, I'll be in full gorilla. You're gonna have it for the classic. <laughs> I'm gonna have it for the full gorilla, and and I actually in the classic it's gonna be so thick, you won't even hear me talking. I'm just gonna grunt like. Ugh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh. You will not be able to tell who's talking, right? That's right. Just be like it'd be like Shaw's mustache, but bigger. <laughs> now I gotta know what what Christmas tree smells better, the real one or the artificial? Oh man, the real one. Come on. Okay. You know, uh, where's what's gonna happen to the real one when Christmas is over? Oh. Oh, uh-oh. I, I, I burn them. Ah, no, no planting them? No planting them. No planting threats? No, I, 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 there's so much stuff out here in these lakes, dude. There's like piles and piles and cedar trees. I just, 
It's more fun to take the kids out in the backyard and light a fire. <laughs> burn, <laughs> burn, <laughs> burn, fire, fire. So how? Uh, here's the big question. Uh, you're going to get bombarded here in a second with IM questions, but how has the off season been treating you? I, I've been following you a little bit. Seems like you've you've had some trips. You've taken some tours. Did a little bit of yeah, this, a little bit of that. Yeah. How, how's the off season, off season been? It's always good. It seems like we always always kind of. Start something with the kids. This time we started like a little trail in the backyard. It's about maybe an eighth of a mile long, but we've been out there raking and digging and trying to make a little trail to race on. We like to race a lot. Yeah. Yeah, I do that. We play tag and stuff and hide and seek. But we're making little forts and stuff. I always try to do something with the kids, like for like a week. Um, something like that. Like that, the year before, we did some, we built a garden and stuff. But we try to do something outdoors. And then uh, the weather's been nice and the fishing stinks, to tell you the truth. I've been out. Um, last couple of trips, you know, I thought it would be good. The moon phase is right, and it's just the water's so warm. I think it's kind of messed up. If you can't go out there and catch a bunch, you, yeah. you know, you go out there and catch like 10, 15 fish in a day. That's not good for you know a seven and eleven year old. They they want to catch like thirty or forty a day. So it's been kind of tough for the fishing wise. Has been a mild yeah. winter. I mean, I think for everybody, with the exception of the northern part of the country, it's been a very mild winter this year. Very it's mild. mild, man. Yeah. It's warm. Speaking of mild, have have you did did you decide to go down in pre practice or did you not or or I did. I had a I had my brother come out. He's only been here like once before and I was like I've been I've been out here thirteen years. My my big brother and he's not my old brother, he's my middle brother. I'm the youngest. He's uh six seven, like three forty. Oof. Big wow. Dude, you know? His hands are like twice as big as mine, he's a big big giant guy, but him and his son, Justin, which you know, my nephew, yeah. uh, went to Hartwell for like four days. And, you know, we got out there about 10 or 11 o'clock every morning. It was cold. And he didn't have really the gear to go out there, my brother. And I didn't have anything that would fit him. So he was stuck in a little <laughs> gear with a sweatshirt. And it was like, you know, 27 degrees in the morning, windy. Oof. So we waited till it got in the 30s. And then we went out there. We caught him pretty good. It was fun. But, you know, it's hard to move around. And I wouldn't really call that practice. You know, I'd, I'd find a school of fish and we'd fish for them until they stopped biting. You know, in practice, you go up there and get a bite and leave. Yeah. So I didn't really cover a lot of lake. And the lake's pretty, you know, really large. So and I might go back up there after Christmas, probably four days, and graph around by myself and check it out. Yeah, it's that's an interesting thing. We talk all about that here, Aaron, uh, on the show, uh, is, you know, the pros and cons of practicing, you know, we we've had that conversation so many times on the show. Do, do you feel that does that hurt you, or does it help you that pre-practice? Because I I don't know that there's a right answer. It can, you know, it's such a weird time of year too. You know, we're in there. It's late February. You now you go there this time of year or end of the end of the fall of last this this year, and it's it's not going to be the same. So I mean, you got to approach it differently. I just kind of go there to kind of learn the lake a little bit. You know, learn how to run it. Get a feel for it. When you go back in February, it's gonna be totally different. So it's kind of like you gotta be real open-minded when you come back. But it's good to go there. I think, especially when you can, to actually learn a lake and kind of run it and just learn how yeah. it lays out. So when conditions do pop up, you know, condition, weather conditions, wind blowing, whatever happens, you kind of got a good feel where you can go and catch a bass, possibly. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, I think if you utilize the information correctly, I think it, I think it can be good. Yeah, yeah. Be more familiar with the lake, very important. Can it, be good. It's important and not let that information lead you down the wrong path. Yeah, which yeah. is uh, over practicing can can often do that. You find fish now, and boy, it's depressing when you go back and they're not doing that. When they're uh, never they're never there. It's like <laughs> every every classic practice just about solid. I mean, you go back for the tournament, it's not the same. I mean, you kind of know the lake better, but as far as finding fish and this time of year and going back to him, it's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Hardly, hardly ever happens. 
It yeah. never does. The tournaments are always won on the developing patterns, yeah. not the patterns yeah. from yesterday. Fish in the moment. Fish in the moment. Talk about that all the time. This is Pete, by the way, Aaron. I don't. I don't think hey, you can Pete. see me on Skype. It's good yeah. to see you, buddy. Merry Christmas. Well, Merry Christmas, man. Yeah, just to give you an idea, I know you can't see him, but uh, Pete kind of looks like a um, a uh, gay. Elderly. I don't like elf. how this is starting. <laughs> <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. No, not there's anything wrong with it. Normally um, dressed. I, I think I'm. I think I currently am one of the all other anglers are fat and overweight. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're getting right into that, are we? <laughs> oh, I, think, I think Pete would be a good. A good. Uh, he'd be a good voice for like a, an elf on a cartoon. He could be. He could be. He's, he's got that. He's got that monotone, educated voice. That, that would be a good one. Speaking of that, that's a great transition point. Uh, to, you know, we all know you, Aaron, and, and uh, we know you spend a lot of time on what I, I think it's kind of your second love. We know fishing's your first love, but tell tell everybody at home a little bit, for those of the fans that watch the show that don't know, you run, and you're an amazing runner. You're an accomplished runner. You've run half marathons and uh, all kinds of stuff. Tell everybody a little bit about how you got started in that. And, and and you feel like that's helping you on tour. Talk, talk a little bit about that. Uh, I think it helps a lot. I mean, I don't know. I was like getting older, you know, 39, 40 years old, and uh, and I rode mountain bikes a lot in California. I was always pretty active, but coming out here on tour, you don't have you don't have time to bring a you don't have a place for a bike. So uh, my wife ran in, uh, cross country in high school, which is a while ago, but she started to pick up she picked up running again, Leslie. And put that team together to fishtails, and yeah, I just saw results. I saw, I mean, basically just saw that within like six or eight months what it did for her, like physically, and it was it was awesome. So I I was getting to that age where I better, you know, I had to do something, and fishing's getting, you know, getting older like that, long days, and I don't want to feel it. So I started running, and uh, I got into it, you know, head over heels. I mean, it's it's awesome. Um, you know, I run right now. I'm running between thirty and forty miles a week. And uh, my long runs are about 10, 11 miles. I mean, I have one run, but it just, the way it makes you feel, and I wear my kids out, and I got a 7 and 11 year old, and I, I, I make them tired. And I, I run them too, you know, we play games and stuff, uh, throw the football, play chase, whatever, tag, hide and seek. And I can still, you know, all the kids in the, in the neighborhood, I still wear them all out. And that's, that's good to know I can, I'm 42 and I'm wearing kids out. So How's I want to you know, be able to play with my grandkids. You know? I don't want to. Not that I'm afraid of getting old, but I don't want to. I want to keep, you know, hold it back as much as I can. And and feeling the way I do in the sport of fishing, uh, I get out there and I start. Man, I'm 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 jacked up. I'm ready to go. I mean, I don't get really get tired, and I can just feed myself, and I can go without sleep better than I could before. I know it happens during the season. We don't get a whole lot of sleep sometimes. And it does help. It seems to help with that. How about your joints and stuff? I know running is pretty high I impact run, stuff. I didn't run a lot. I, I rode a bike a ton when I was in Cali, and then I rode a bike out here a lot. And so my joints are probably pretty fresh. I mean, I I, I have, you know, it, it hurts for a while. I mean, I, the first six months, i, I got to tell you, I mean, for anybody that starts running that hasn't ran before ever or hasn't ran 20 years, the first six months or so is going to hurt. Uh, you're going to feel like you're hurting yourself. Your knees are going to ache, your, your shins, your... Now, everything's gonna hurt in your lower body. Even you'll get back pain. Like you feel like your back is going out. Like you can go to the hospital even it hurts so bad. But that's all your muscles that are kind of you know you're reteaching them to run, and that's it, it's a lot. There's a lot of pain the first I'd say six months, and after that it starts lessening and lessening. And then now I go running. I can go like a week or two without running, and go run five or six miles. And the next day I'm not sore at all. 
If I run every day, it's it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's um, I don't I don't I have to really push myself to get sore anymore. I can go out and run pretty much without any any effect ill effect. That's awesome. That's awesome. I know it's got to help with your, you know, being physically fit just helps you fish yeah. better. I mean, we talk about yeah. being in fishing shape, yeah. you know, because you got to be in, you got to be able to stand, you got to be able to battle the rough water. But man, yeah. bringing your fitness level to to the next level is is got to, yeah. you know, help you cold. in every facet. I get cold though. I have to dress. <laughs> I don't know fat on me. So if I like before, I was like two hundred and thirty pounds. I could go out there and wear a, a sweatshirt and my rain gear and be fine. But now it's like I go out there and. I, mean, I gotta put like five or six layers on, you know, three or four on the bottom and three or four on top, just because I don't have insulation. So that's a, we, a drawback. But yeah. I have found out eating certain things, you know, like cayenne pepper on my peanut butter and jellies. I'll eat certain foods like peppers and stuff in the wintertime, like the classic when it's really cold out, just to heat my body up, and it, it does help. I've been doing that for about you know five or six years. Well, we actually had we had Swindle on last uh, last show, and he gave us a tip. You might want to take this for Hartwell. Uh, he said right. in cold weather. Uh, before he launches in the morning, he actually rubs Ben Gay on his crotch in the morning before he launches. So it's a big help to him. You know, you, you ever see how he's out there? He's always grabbing his junk. That's probably why. It'll wake you up. Yeah. He's probably, he's probably moving it around, yeah. He's going to get hotter there, yeah. He's got to. He's got to. Uh, I just want to run down this real quick. Uh, this, this is super impressive. By the way, Brian the Carpenter put this extensive note sheet together, Aaron, so I want to make sure I utilize this. Um, 15 classics in a row, six-time Elite the Series winner. In a row? Wait, hold on, I think I missed one. The one you won, I missed. Oh, uh, well, that's okay. Brian, that's wrong. Uh, 15 <laughs> classic appearances. There's uh, a one you won in Louisiana, I missed it. I you did? Playing. I was working it. I, I didn't know that. What are you trying to say? If you were there, Mike might not have won that? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? If it was anybody but Aaron, I'd disagree. But I had to agree. I probably wouldn't have. Uh, 62 top 10 finishes, 2 million earnings, two-time AOY winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Is that true? That's that's amazing. And me and you started the same year. Aaron, what do you, and I want to know this. This is a personal question. This is not coming from our, our Twitter or anything. How the hell have you been so consistent over those years? How well, what's your so key? Consistent You've been, I mean, it's amazing. It's amazing the to sec- me. The You're very consistent. I've gotten. I've gotten like 13 seconds or something like that. Yeah, what? What's the deal? How? What? What's the basis of your consistency? I don't know how I've got so many top threes and not one more though. It's kind of weird. I've only won three elite tournaments, which is a lot, but that's a long period of time not to win more. But I've had a lot of like seconds and thirds. That seems like. Um, you know, I've always been organized, like, you know that. Oh, yeah. My tackle. And that's a big part of what I do is just I want everything I might think of with good hooks on it and really organized. So if I go, say, get, like, a, a certain plug, like a number three plug and a shallow diver, right? And any kind of brand I have in the boat, it, it takes me seconds, you know. It doesn't take me yeah. a minute to find it. It takes me, you know, five to ten seconds yeah. to get that bait in my hand. And that's kind of how I've always been. I think that helps a lot. And I work hard at it. I mean, I work hours and days and weeks uh, during the off season, getting ready for the next season. So when it does come along, I'm I'm, I'm really really about as organized as I can get. I can't think of any more ways of organizing, but that seems to help. And yeah, I work like you, man. We were me and you are about the last guys off the water every night. 
Oh yeah. yeah, I know you get out there a lot before me, before I do in the morning. So, yeah. I mean, you're if anything, you're probably out there more than anybody as far as the daylight we have in tournaments to practice. You're out. You're probably number one in, in getting hours in. Yeah, hard, hard work's a big thing. Tackle yeah, management, I, I think, time management. Just hard work, dude. I mean, yeah. hard work, staying really organized, and and hopefully throwing the right baits and using good hooks. I mean, it all ties in together. I think. Yeah, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Do we've got uh, Brian Carpenter, uh, John? Do we have some IM questions back there for Aaron? Are we ready to? We we do. We uh we actually crashed and. And lost Becky at the same time. Wow. Aaron, you just crashed the Internet. There's so many questions coming in. That's amazing. You broke the Internet. Wow. We need it back, though, man. We do need it back. We did. Why? Well, I have. We have a couple we that have. actually came in before you got on. So I'll ask a couple of the ones I have on my sheet here. Uh, the first question was from Tony, and Tony wants to know those funny looking shoes you wear. Do they help you with fishing? Yeah. I'm sponsored by Sims, but you know Sims don't make it 14. I got a size 14 shoe, uh, so I was forced to buy some other shoes. Uh, to tell you the truth, I have bad. I'll try to make it as short as possible, which is hard for me. I had plantar fasciitis for like 15 years. What is uh, it? Plantar fasciitis is a spot where you're like your tendon pulls or your Achilles tendon gets tight and it pulls on the bottom of your foot and it actually make a bone spur and it's real painful. I mean, a lot wow. of people out there have it. And the only time it didn't hurt me is when I went barefoot. So that's why I wear minimal shoes. For as long as you probably know me, but I noticed like when I would go barefoot, period, like in the boat, I get sick of wearing shoes. My feet wouldn't bother me, so I started about five years ago. I started experimenting with the five fingers, and I can't wear a pair of shoes anymore. I'm ruined. I have yeah, I have <laughs> nice shoes to wear to the, you know, but I actually have nice five fingers. They actually, look pretty cool. But man, I can't wear really go all day with it. Yeah. With the, Wearing yep. shoes where it hurts. Gotcha, gotcha. And we have another question here, and this one's from Scott. And Scott says, "What's the deal with backing up your reels with braid?" Yeah, that's a good one, man. Um, that makes the spools lighter. That's something I learned in saltwater. Being a saltwater fisherman before I freshwater fish, we'd always put dacron on for backing. You know, in case you hook a yellowfin or something big, it's gonna spool you. Uh, well, I, I did that with my bait casters just because I didn't want to, I didn't want all the line on there. It's heavy, so I started doing the dacron or the braid, and it, it makes the spool lighter. It gives you maybe five or ten more feet, but if you're pitching and flipping, especially a smaller bait, uh, you can totally tell a difference in the, the way the spool, how quick the spool moves, the initial spin on it. So you can actually pitch smaller baits, lighter baits easier than you could without having backing on there. Uh, the important thing to do on the backing is I love, I've done a, a video on it, but you got to do a really good knot. Like I do a uni knot uh, with two wraps around the spool if you don't want to slip. Um, and cinch it down really tight. And some kind of slip knot will pinch it onto the spool where it doesn't spin. And then initially put it on really, really high, with a lot of pressure. And you're fine after that. But if you do it too loose, it could spin on the spool. Especially in cold yeah. weather. That's an interesting tip, Pete, because I think most people don't yeah. think of putting. Yeah, braid you have on. you have like a and a lot of my reels I use. I have ones for sixteen pound, fourteen, twelve, whatever, ten, twenty, and I have different levels of braid on those reels. So when I make a really really long cast with a bait I'm going to use on that rig, uh, I can usually see the knot where my braid and my fluoro connect after a long cast. So I don't waste a whole lot of line, and I can replace my line more often without wasting line. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Tip. Yeah, that's a good tip. But the knot, that, I could certainly see that knot is key because you know you got you can get a lot of slippage with braid if you're tying direct to a spool. Yeah, so, yeah I, uh, I mean I, I just do an overhand usually to my backhand knot unless I'm uh, unless I'm fishing like Louisiana where I'm gonna hook a thirty forty pound redfish and I actually I did hook a thirty five pounder one time 
fishing for bass down there, and it took all my line off, all my braid off, too. So it took a couple, maybe 100 yards of line off my spool. But wow. luckily, I had a good knot back, you know, back to the fluorocarbon, and it, it took all of it. Are, are so. you uh, are you using uh, the? A lot of guys are using braid uh, all the way, and and you know tying leaders, uh, yep. fluorocarbon leaders. I do a lot of that fishing. Do, do you do that in your fishing? I do that quite a bit, especially on the drop shot and shaky head uh, spinning gear. Uh, not as much on the bait caster. I do on my to- I do my top waters with braid fluoro leader. Um, and you know, if they're on a really good jerk bait bite and you're ripping it, ripping it really hard and fast, and you want you want to not wear yourself out doing it all day, I'll do like 20 pound braid with like a 16 pound fluoro leader, a short leader, just to keep it from tangling itself. There, yeah, I mean, I do. I, I've been doing that for a while. I, I kind of do it on certain certain situations. Uh, when you, you know, want to get really long casts out there and you don't want your spool to be low, um, that comes in play there, and, and especially spinning gear. This works really good for spinning gear. Nice. I, I know I used Did I ever tell you I raced Aaron Martins? You raced Aaron? I, I raced him one time. I didn't know that. You mean you mean in a boat, or you mean running, or what are you talking we, about? We, we raced had, all the time at boat. Yeah, we, had a, we had a race that involved boats, vehicles, Foot race. Wow. It was, it was, uh... <laughs> we were we were practicing up for the open on Lake Erie, and Aaron and I found ourselves fishing next to each other when there was no time left to practice. We had to get in the register. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, man, the race to the to the check-in before we were late. I remember that. We, every, were, we, we missed almost every light. Remember that? I, I remember that. We uh, I think uh, <laughs> by, we took off, and uh, I beat them back to the dock by, like, maybe... I don't know. We're 50. In the water. Yeah, we were pushing it. We were waiting. <laughs> yeah, I beat him by 50 feet back to the dock. Then we then we scrambled to get our boats on the trailer. I was on first, and I left and took off. Aaron somehow passed me on the road, <laughs> and, and somehow got ahead there for a little while. Then I passed him because he had he made a, his GPS set him the wrong way, and yeah. I I got ahead. But then somehow he got ahead again, and then and then we pulled <laughs> we, we pulled into the parking lot of Park registration, it. and there. There's no parking. I mean, there's no. boats on the grass. There's no place to. We're both full boat and truck rigs, and there's you can yeah. hardly turn. And uh, he parked, and I had to park almost on the street with like four lane highway. And, yeah, uh, I blocked some serious stuff too. <laughs> they, they, how much? How much time do we have? When we made it in. It's like I, literally like we got in there right after at the clock. There was zero, right? There were seven seconds remaining seven seconds. on the clock. I, it's <laughs> funny. I believe this story because there's only one other angler that has more late finds than I do, and that's Aaron. <laughs> so I believe this story. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Right on. Trip, you know, Trip Weldon's watching this tonight. So hi, Trip. Uh, it's true. That's a, that's a true story. That's definitely a true story. Uh, I, I wanted to get into something, Aaron, and we've had a couple questions about this already. Uh, a lot of questions coming through. How'd you get started fishing? You know, we, we've got Adrian Avinas with us tonight. He he gave us a great story on how he got involved in it. Me and Pete have traded stories. We want to hear your story. How how'd you get involved in bass fishing? What was your start? Man. Uh, it started fishing in general, you know, trout fishing. The, the, you know, I went backpacking off my dad. He took me up to the mountains. We'd do 100, 200 mile trips. We'd do long trips. And I'd fish. That's all I wanted to do is trout fish. And as I got older, probably like 12 or 13, I think I caught a bass off a bed in a creek, Malibu Creek. Everybody's heard of Malibu. It was a creek that runs into Malibu. And it had, there were some bed fish, and I caught like about two pounder off a bed. I think I was about 12 or 13 years old. And from that point on, I kind of got that bass bug a little bit. Yeah. And we ran, me and my mom rented boats during the, on the weekends you know, at, at, when I was in school. 
and we'd go out there and fish for whatever bit, but we really like go after it, try to catch bass. And by the time I was 14 years old, I wanted a little lulum boat or something, just something besides a rental boat, you know, something they have your own, put your tackle on it and start. That's kind of how I started. And, you know, fishing Calabasas Lake and, and the, the valley and Hidden Lake in the valley. There's the West Lake. There's a bunch of little lakes by my house I rode my bike to. And you'd go out there and catch 20, 30 bass in a day, you know, just fishing offshore. So I, I had that, too. And but I got kicked out a lot. It was illegal, of course. And, <laughs> and yeah. California can't do it. Very it's, nice. It's, it's Very like, nice. You, know, like you get that. chased off by police and stuff and threatened. And you just, it was hard to do. You had to actually wear camo sometimes at some of the lakes. Oh. Actually <laughs> minutes. So I did all that. And golf courses, same thing. And uh, But when I was about almost 15, we bought my, me and my mom went on a bass boat. It was a 363 Ranger, like a 1710 Ranger fiberglass boat, you know, a real nice boat for back then, and uh, 150 horse on it. And after we had that boat, dude, we were fishing like every day we could. So, you know, two, three days a week, you know, when school wasn't in session, I, I'd work at night just so I could fish during the day, you know. So I'd, we fished as much as we could. That's, 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 how, that, that's how it got started. That's awesome. I mean, and that, and that, that mirrors a lot of what we hear, you know, that family element. Getting getting involved in the outdoors from from the family. Yes, yeah. we hear that a lot. And, yeah. and you know the unique part is that you you did a lot of that with your mom. I know most of us are yeah. with our dads, you know, yeah. our but uncles. But yeah, Sam, we, we did good. It was fun. Yeah, that, that's your mom still fish? Yeah, my dad's been sick for like six years now. But he, she she takes care of him, so she doesn't get to go as often. But I think she's still going like maybe twice a month. But you know, she wants to go four days a week, but she can't. Wow. So she has to take care of my dad. But. uh she still goes as much as she can. She still loves it. I mean, she's crazy about it. That's awesome. My mom loves fishing. Yeah. Wow. My I whole family it. does, except that's for my awesome, dad. That's an, aw- <laughs> that's an awesome story. He, he coped with it, but he, he he didn't care for it. He's the only one in my family that didn't care for fishing. He watches it, but never liked doing it. That, that's awesome. Uh, and here's, here's another one. Uh, we got a question that came in here from Daryl, and Daryl wants to know what 2015 event are you looking forward to the most? Not including the classic. Not 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 including the classic. Um, I had, I mean, no doubt I have to say Havasu. Havasu is where I grew up, kind of fishing, and and Havasu is like, I mean, it's a lot different. It's kind of like you and the, where you won this year, but it's it's just so cool there. Like the, it's in the middle of the desert. You know, it's Arizona. It's just. You know, bordered by California, it's it's got kind of it's it's a unique lake, and and I really have all the lakes I fish on the West Coast. That was always one of my favorites. Yeah, just because of the way it laid out and the smells. I mean, just everything about the lake is awesome. It's I'm really looking cool forward lake. to it. I I can't wait. I mean, that's one of the new ones for me. I can't wait to get out there. And interestingly enough, there's a lot of similarities between Havasu and the Delaware River. Yeah. They both have giant yeah, mountains. Fishes, yeah. yeah, at Havasu, they're natural mountains, and at the Delaware, they're landfills. I mean, <laughs> you know, that's obvious right there. So you got you to write the fishing itself. It's real similar. I mean, it's it's high, it's going to be fast-paced probably. But, you know, it's kind of like Delaware. You're not fishing for a whole lot of fish, but they bite when you get in front of them. That's kind of how Havasu is. What do you, where, like the landfills and the... Yeah, factories and stuff. <laughs> where, where are you going to hit that lake? Is it going to be spawn, post-spawn, pre-spawn? When are you fishing that lake? Sounds like it'll be probably a little both, pre-spawn, spawn, maybe fish that already spawn. I'm not sure. I haven't been there in so long. It's changed so much since I've been there. It, it didn't have grass last time I was there. Mm-hmm. And it's had a lot of grass for like the last, I don't know, five, six years. It's got a ton of grass in it. So I haven't been there really since it's gotten really healthy. Wow. What kind of grasses grow? Is it hydrilla or what's uh, going on there? 
I don't know. Um, they, we have some weird grass out there. Lake Mead gets it. It's like a you get a real prickly kind of cactusy. It's sort of like real like like almost like pine needles. It's weird. And then they get that's like a desert grass that grows in those lakes. It, like if you jump in it and you're swimming, it'll scratch you up, leave red marks. <laughs> then you have like a, I don't know if it's like a shrimp grass or interesting. It's kind of like a milfoil, but it's real crumbly. Um, and it, it also can get hydrilla in some of those lakes, but I'm not sure. I think it's a I should know what it's called, but it's like a, it looks like a milfoil kind of, but I mean, you pick it up, all of it up, and it crumbles in your hand. And then the other, the other thing, too, is during spring break, I heard they have a lot of bush there. Oh, man. <laughs> Lots of bushes everywhere, yeah. That place is, yeah, it's crazy during spring break. I mean, I used to go there all the time before Sorry. they had laws. And <laughs> they had laws. It's not, like it it's not like it used to be, not at all. Uh, um, they're way more strict there, but... Back in the day when I was, you know, fishing a lot and I was young and fishing a lot of tournaments and, you know, even before I was married and all that, that place was, it was just crazy. I, I actually didn't like it. It was just too many big boats. It was like, if, I wanted to go there and go fishing, but <laughs> you end up looking at the scenery a lot, too. <laughs> that could happen. No, it's hard we, not to. <laughs> we, we have any good questions back there, Brian the Carpenter? I see you, I see you looking around. What's going on back there? We yeah, I, I, we had a... What was yeah. it? Uh, Aaron Aaron Martins will win the 2015 Classic. Uh, wanted to know how does Pete stay in shape? <laughs> and this goes back a bit. <laughs> All right, we'll hey, move on from. Uh, that. We'll hey, move on from that. Believe, one. believe it or not, Pete's Pete's active right now. I'm wor- I'm working out all the time. We're going to have a big reveal later in the summer. Reveal? Yeah. Wow. I, I hope to have a big reveal. We're uh, Pete's getting back in shape. That's my that's my resolution. That's your resolution. We're going to talk I'm about that later. Guys, if anybody out there wants to get back in shape, running even my even my family members and my friends, they all they all do it a little bit. They're trying, and some guys are. They want to, but as far as getting in shape, there's nothing quicker mm. than running. Well, I, mean, I, I can do in 20 minutes, but it take me to, an hour to walk or you know to go for a walk. I can do it in 20 minutes running. Well, I grew so, up running. I was, I was a cross country runner in high school, and I wrestled. We ran. I ran all the time. So I'm, I'm loving to get back into running. But like I said, I, that's why I asked you a question about the joints because yeah. my joints and my back have taken a bit of a beating from fishing for so uh, many years. Yeah. And uh, fishing, fishing yeah. does that to you, man. That's why I started running. It actually helps. Yeah. When I don't run for a period of time, that's when those pains start coming back. If as long as I keep running, I have no pain at all. That's when I don't run now. Is when I start getting achy. But I know what you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. It's, well, it, it can be bad. It's like, you're av- it's like you get to have adjustment. And running, you know, it, you know, if as long as you eat right, you won't get skinny. I'm still st- holding my weight. But uh, it, it works out your whole body. You know, you're swinging your arms. You're, you're, you're constantly pulling. I, I don't go out there and jog. I kind of go out there and push myself. I like to run fast. So, well, it's um, an inspiration, it's man. If you go out there and jog, you know, you work your way up. I'm always trying to get faster, so. It's a lot of work, and it works out the whole body. It's perfect. Well, that's an inspiration. And I, I, I had a question. I know you, you've uh, you've got 12 or 13, like you said, runner-up I forget. spots. Too many, too it's many. a lot. That's got to be the most. Uh, do you, you know, what do you – and how do you get into that winter circle? Are you actively trying, you know, and trying to tweak yeah. the game to I get into the winter, the winter circle? circle? What are you doing? I'm all, I always, like, I see everybody else up there. Not everybody else, but, you know, some guys will get, like, two in a season or – like two of them in two years, and it's like we're all like, dang, man, what is it? it's just so hard to get because there's so many good anglers. Um, but that's what, probably one of the reasons that more you know more of us don't win so much because bass, I mean, almost, you know, I wouldn't, I'm not going to say a number, but I don't know of any, I hardly any slouches in there. I mean, any one of those guys could win any anywhere, you know, so it's, it's really hard to win, and it's always when it does happen, it's awesome. Nothing like it. That's not what like we it. all want. Not like it. Right, Ike? 
Uh, it's dude. I I win like once every fifteen years, so I'll take it. Uh, John, we got a question. No, about, we got so, any more we, questions? We do have a couple questions. Okay, we got a weird one here. Does Aaron really sleep upside down? Wow, that's an interesting question. I hang by my feet, my toes. Is that true? No. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I you know I, got, I I thought if that was memory, true I I, that was uh, something foam, I would try this mattress. year. That's why I sleep on memory foam and I got a memory foam pillow and I like it. It's comfy. Uh, Pete but does I sleep sleep on my side most of the time. Uh, I don't know if you knew this, Aaron, but Pete does sleep by number. And his number is 69. He likes it. <laughs> it's his favorite number. It's the right firmness on his mattress. Uh, it, here's a good one for you. Has most of your success came from throwing a drop shot? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, yeah, I mean, if you think about it, a spinning rod is at least half of it. Yeah, I mean, I've caught a lot of fish on a crankbait over the years. And that's why, you know, during the season, that's why I probably catch as many as anything on as a, a crankbait, but... But that drop shot, man, when it gets tough or it's time to pull it out, and then usually the last day or two, you know, you pull it out towards the second or third day, and, it, you know, it's hard to put down. So I'd say it, it, it has at least 50% over the years, probably at least, maybe a little more on the, a little more than the all the other stuff combined as a shaky head and a drop shot. Okay. Yeah, well, the drop shot revolutionized stuff when you and I remember B Height came out with the drop shot early and yeah. started started catching fish long before we even well, knew I, it was I, happening to I us. I can tell you, I remember the actual tournament where, and I, and I feel like this was late, it was late for me to realize it, was the Chicago Bassmaster Classic, 2000. I remember that, yeah. And fishing in a, in a little place called Lake Calumet. Yeah. Because the lake was blown out, couldn't fish in the lake, big yeah. waves. Mm-hmm. We're all stuck in this little lake. Calumet. Yeah, Calumet. And, and and I'm out there doing my little finesse tubes and all this stuff up in the northeast, slider worms that I learned how to do. And there's these West Coast guys, three of them, uh, Aaron and, and B Height and another guy, uh, yeah. using the drop shot technique and smoked me smoke in the it, same area, everybody. literally. Yeah, I was falling. I was. I was falling. Uh, I was in the same little circle as Rick Klun. He was throwing a little crankbait, like yeah. probably like, in or something. And yep. I was, Christ. I was catching like three to four days one. Yeah. He'd pass me. I'd keep going fishing, like my speed, and I'd just be like, whack. And he, he, I'd watch him keep going, but I was just, I was catching way more on the drop shot. Have you ever seen Rick Klun with a spinning rod? <laughs> it's not a trick question. I, I, I actually have. I have once. Yeah? I have once. I maybe have seen it. I, I remember at one point maybe seen him in a certain maybe somewhere with a spinning rod, but not very often. I fished. I marshaled the Lawrence, uh, the St. Lawrence River last yeah. year, and he fished and drop shotted a seawall. What? And look, he tried to skip it up under a dock. It was the worst, horrible <laughs> cast you ever saw in your life. <laughs> wow. How about yeah, that? But he you know, caught him. He caught him. He caught like 19 pounds a day. He, was he did better than I did. John, John says something interesting because I talked to him about that, and he said when Rick was throwing a, 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 a drop shot and a spinning rod, he just se- he seemed out of place and uncomfortable making awkward casts. And then when he went to switch back over to cranking and bay casting, you could just see the greatness come right out It was of him. phenomenal. Phenomenal. I thought, I thought 
he first started with the drop shot rod, and I said, man, this guy's old, and he's had it, and I got the worst guy. And when he put that down and he picked up a swim bait, yeah. he was on point. I mean, wow. that, he casted perfect the whole nine yards. Wow. Well, that's that's you know that's a guy that I want to fish with. I mm-hmm. want to fish with, with Rick. I actually had the fortunate experience to fish with Aaron. Aaron and I have fished a few times, which was pretty amazing. Remember Amistad, Aaron? We went out and drove yeah. around. That was fun. That was uh, that was an eye opener for me. I've done that with very few guys, but it's it's always yeah, it's always fun. Yeah, fun. I I liked it. I liked my time with you. All right, Aaron, we've got we're we're gonna we're gonna do one more thing with you, uh, and and that's how we'll end it. But uh, we definitely want to say, dude, thank you for carving time out for the show. And we're gonna end this here with you, and we're gonna do this little segment that we call five questions with Aaron Martin, and and basically want to throw five questions at you, and you just have to answer them with one word. You don't have to get into it just nice short answers and uh and we're going to rapid fire the questions to you and here they go number one favorite color worm uh watermelon or green pumpkin i'm sorry for green pumpkin number two power fishing or finesse fishing uh i prefer power fishing number three winning a marathon or winning an elite event uh, elite event number four Wind oh. pants or yoga pants? I'm wearing yoga pants right now. Check <laughs> <laughs> it out. And the rest. Hold on, hold on. Hey, hey, look at that. They're actually yoga pants. It's funny you said that. They're super comfy. See? Oh my God. And number five. Do we have a drum roll, Brian, in the back? That's not a drum roll. What is that? What is That's it? all we have. Number five. Longest mule. Aaron Martins, Byron Velvick, or Wu Dave's? Longest mule. <laughs> What'd you say? Yule. Yule. Like like Yule tide, like Christmas. Yule. I don't know. <laughs> Help me out. Don't answer. Don't answer. Uh, you, you, you can't win that one. You Aaron, can't win just... that one. I want to say Woo Days. Uh, Aaron, thank you for joining us, man. I got to tell you, uh, if I don't win the classic this year at Hartwell, my vote is you. I got to tell you, and uh, wish you all the best, man. Good seeing you. Thanks. You've Thanks. You won, right? You won a race. I won a race. You're right. You're right. <laughs> I'll take a second. Yeah, I know work. you would. We all would. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Aaron. Aaron Martin, Great everybody. Good to see you again, buddy. Good to see you. Ha- Merry Christmas, Aaron. You Merry too. Christmas. Happy New Year. Yeah, man. Have fun. Be safe. Thanks, man. Peace. Peace. Man, what a dynamic guest. That yeah. was fun. The, the was last awesome. question really threw him off. <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna be googling mule 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 mule. I didn't think that sounds like that, man. He I, I tell you he's interesting. What a great what a great interview. Uh, he gets a bad rap. Like a lot of people, you know, are kind of like he, he's 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 flaky. He's he, you know he he doesn't want to talk. He's shy. I think he's the most dynamic pro out there. I really do. Not not only from his ability. But from the way he thinks mm-hmm. about fishing, I don't know if you knew yep. this. We didn't bring it up during the show. We talked about this earlier. Aaron Martin's is colorblind. No kidding. I didn't know Aaron that. is colorblind. That is baffling to me. Yeah. How can a guy that pays such detail to attention? How can he be colorblind? I mean, he he's able to be out there and he feels like the bites off and he goes in his box. He's got all these robo worms. <laughs> 
and yet somehow he picks the right one and gets the fish to start biting. That's an amazing thing to me. I wish the heck we would have. I would have liked it. Hold on, let me call him back. I know. Why well, threw the worm back there? I didn't know if you could dangle it. I didn't know what the heck that was. I don't know. But but that's that's Aaron to me. He, he's you know he's very much that character that's like. To me, he's the epitome of a pure, pure fisherman. I, you you know? know, and there's a couple things about him that I really like. Is he, he's an engaging personality. Just to have this interview with him, you could see that. And he's one of those guys that I, I always feel good when I'm done talking with Aaron. Yeah. You know, he's, he's one of those people that you know he's not out to cut you down to build himself up. He's not out, you know, in, no. in, in that negative no. way. And he 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 brings a lot of positive energy. I think. And, yeah. Uh, you know, I guess you know that's got to be important in his fishing. You know, I think that might be a big part of it. But uh, you know, I really like being around him. He was a great guest. I appreciated uh, talking to him. Yeah, that that was awesome. And, and and he's he's interesting. Like he runs. He's mm-hmm. building forts and trails out in the back <laughs> with, with his kids. I mean, that's that's great. You know. Yeah. It's great. Very un- unstereotypical pro, you know. Uh, yep, that's I, awesome. and that's and that's probably you know a reason for his big success is he he comes at this sport differently. You know, he's doing yeah. things that other guys aren't, and thinking about things differently. And uh, like you said, his stats are are through the roof, man. He's like checked. He checks in seventy five percent of his tournaments or more. I was looking at that number. I mean, that's yeah. that's just the amazing consistency. Amazing number of second place finishes. Amazing, it, and it seems like incredible. he's all. Always there for AOY at the end of the year. He's, he's just right. one of those very consistent, natural fishermen. Mm-hmm. Amazing. I don't know if there ever ever be another Aaron Martins, but uh, great interview. What we're going to do here, if Brian DeCarpenter's ready, is I think we're going to take a, a real short break. We're going to play some, what do we got, music or something? What do you got back there, Brian? Uh, a little, anything? You got everything. Got any requests? Uh, I, I'd like to hear. You have a little Run DMC, Chris and Susie. Yeah, give me a second. Okay, uh, we're gonna play a little uh, old school Run DMC, uh, uh, Christmas at Hollis Queens, and we're gonna take a little bit of break. But when we come back, and this is big. This is actually, I, I'm kind of on the edge of my seat here for this. <laughs> uh, we've got. Uh, uh, Pete is gonna. And by the way, Pete, you've been officially nicknamed. This might be a regular segment, by the way. Pete, the scoop, <laughs> Glusick, uh, you've got our hot topic for the night. Now, usually we do it in the beginning of the show. Tonight we're doing it at the end. You've got a hot, trending topic that we're going to dive into when we come back from this break, talking about a DQ that recently happened at the team championship for BASS. A lot of people want to know about that. And you're going to give us a scoop when we come back. Uh, Ike Live, don't go anywhere. Stay tuned on this little break here. If Brian Carpenter could figure it out. And, uh, <laughs> and and we're going to join you in a second with Pete the Scoop. The scoop. Blues. Pete the Scoop. Be right back. All right. It'd be worse. <laughs>
was the night before Christmas, and all through the Hold house... it now, wait, hold it. That's played out. Hit it! Don't you give me all that jive about things you wrote before I was alive. Cause this ain't 1823, ain't even 1970. Now I'm the guy named Curtis Blow, and Christmas is one thing I know. So every year, just about this time, I celebrate it with a rhyme. Gonna shake it, gonna break it, gonna make it good Gonna rock, shock, knock it through your neighborhood Gonna ring, gonna sing it till it's understood My rap's about to happen like a knee You were slapping or a toe, you've been tapping on a hunk of wood Bought a red suited dude with a friendly attitude And a slave full of pretty for the people on the block Got a long white beard, maybe looks kinda weird And if you ever see him, he can give you quite a shock Now people let me tell you about last year when the dude came flying over here. Well, the home was out, snow was on the ground. Folks stayed in to party down. The beat was thumping on the box. And I was dancing in my socks. And the drummer played at a solid pace. And the taste of the bass was in my face. And the guitar player lay down the heavy layer of the funky chunky to the mother disco beat. And the guy with the 88 started to participate And I can sure appreciate the sound so sweet We were all in the mood So we had a little food and a joke and a smoke And a little bit of wine When I thought I heard a hoop on the top of the roof Could it be it wasn't me? I was feeling super fine So I went to the attic where I thought I heard the static On a chance that the fans put somebody breaking in Put the noise on the top with a reindeer cop Just a trick, say, and I let the sucker in Oh, my God. 
was rolling, he was holy, and I said, holy moly, you got a lot of wishes on your chinny chin chin. He allowed, he was proud of the hairy little crowd on the point of the door where the skin should have been. Get cool for a fool, going out every you for a day on the same when the cold was low. Through the fear, maybe weird, but I'll never have a chance, cause it's warm in the fall when it's in below. Well, folks at home, folks at home, how you doing? Uh, we had a little, little conversation going on. We we're talking about Snake Man, Snake Weed, uh, Snake Weed, Snake Weed, Snake Weed. Okay, who out there knows where Snake Weed is from? That might be our trivia question tonight. Ah. The Tackle Warehouse trivia question of the night. Mm. If you know, actually, put, put that up. Let's look at that. Brian, can we get a close up of this? this? Uh, why don't you hold it, Mike? Okay, give me this, Pete. Let me let me give a let me give crash cam on that. Uh, if you know where this character is from, and is it a sitcom? Is it a TV show? Is it a cartoon? We won't even say that. It's, it's all from this. something. It's all, it's all this. <laughs> if you know where this is from, call in or I am the first one that gets it right gets the Tackle Warehouse trivia kit tonight. And you know what that is, don't you? No. It's a hat, a bumper sticker, a koozie, and. A $25 gift card to Tackle Warehouse, Bill. There goes our Christmas present, Aaron. (laughs) So if somebody wins, are we actually going to ship it to them this time? We'll actually ship it to them. Yeah, we will ship it to them. But we do need their address. We do. We do. Uh, So let's jump right into it. Uh, Before we do that, though, did you notice there are uh, multiple elves on the shelf tonight? Mm -hmm. Did you see that? I did not. How many do you see on there? Real quick glance. Two. There are actually four. Uh, We've got... Uh, elf on the shelf number one, elf on the shelf number two, elf on the shelf number three, and then the biggest elf on the shelf, Dave Brodzik. Look at that one. <laughs> Look at that fat head with his ear. <laughs> Where is Fatty? I'm, we miss him. Uh, he's an elf. He's out. He's doing elf stuff tonight yeah, with his giant ear yep. and yep. his giant head. Uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, thanks for waiting. Um, we're going to get into this part. Now, I'm curious to hear this. Uh, we've got... This is kind of a special hot topic, and and this isn't something we're just parlaying from existing information. This is something that you you did a little investigating on. You did a little research on it. Uh, I'm going to turn it over to you, uh, Scoop. And what have we got here? <laughs> well, you know, we. <laughs> I'm, I'm Scoop. Scoop. You know, as it turned, I did a little bit more scooping. Uh, with Adrian when we were talking before the show and Ooh. found out a little, uh, you know, some more inside intel on exactly, you know, what took place. But, you know, uh, what we're talking about today is DQs, uh, disqualification in uh, in bass fishing. It's, uh, it's a part of our sport. It can be an ugly part of our sport. It's a necessary part of our sport. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about it a little bit tonight because there was a major DQ. That uh, just took place in a Bassmaster tournament, a, a team tournament, and uh, and a, a couple of a couple of guys were DQ'd by violating. I think it was Rule C seven. C seven. C seven is what they were um, evicted for. 
Um, what you, we can't hear you, Bri. That, yeah, I'm sorry. Let me interrupt you for one second. Shoot. You couldn't hear me because I had to turn my mic off to answer the phone because everybody's calling about the impromptu trivia question. <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was weed boy. <laughs> I, a weed man. Snake weed. Uh, yeah, you, you can't do that. The, the IM's lighting up. The phone's ringing. Oh, well, I, somebody wants the $25, bro. Tackle Mod's called and wanted again. Oh, don't get out of here. Uh, don't get anything out. He, he, he says... What's he going to buy more hair jigs? He's going to buy more hair jigs. Yeah, well, he said he just wanted to... Make Make his presence no, he, felt. You know, he does know who that is. You know why? He's playing with it in his bathtub right now. He's watching the show. That's actually what he said. <laughs> but he said he's going to donate it to whoever actually wins. And Okay. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, there's 100 people on IM that said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Wow. So I don't know who you're shipping it to. Okay. I feel like this is your problem for no, going outside the lines. Pick the first one that said Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And uh, then ask for his address. Don't do this. To all me. right, whatever. We'll uh, ship it to somebody. This, <laughs> I'll, I'll get taken care of. I'll, I'll John's going to take care of it. Pete, okay. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Blame Mike. Right back at you. Okay. <laughs> well, that was a mess. That, that, that was DQ'd, you may have said. I was DQ'd for bringing that up. You're, I'm sorry you, about yes, that. Yes, you were DQ'd for that. And Snakeweed comes to his courtesy of my son, Jake. Yeah, thank, thank you, Jake. Jake. Appreciate thank that. You, Jake. Yeah. The, um, so anyway, we're talking about we're talking about DQs. We're talking about you know it, it's something that's so so important. And there's man, there's two sides to or multiple sides to every time that this pops up. In this particular case, guys were DQ'd for uh, Rule C7. I and I the I don't know if that's exactly right, but the gist of the rule is all about the multiple lures on a on a single presentation. You know stuff like umbrella rigs. Alabama rigs, guys using drop shots with the jig on the bottom. Yeah. You know, that's the rule that, um, you know, that were, uh, that the guys were accused of, of violating and they, you know, they were disqualified out of the tournament. Now, it caused a bit of a firestorm in social media. Guys are talking about, you know, everything under the sun like they never did it. Um, you know, it was a simple uh, polygraph test that one of them failed. And, and you know, who, who really knows what the real deal is? So I, I took it upon myself to call the source. You know, I called the tournament director that actually did the disqualification, and I, I called uh, Chris Bowes, I called Trip Weldon, uh, both tournament directors at, at Bass, and, and I did speak with Chris. And, uh, and you know, Bass is, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it's a strategy, but the response to me was a very limited response. In other words, they didn't want to qual- they didn't want to comment on the specific details of the disqualification for the purposes of protecting the anglers. And that's their uh, their objective is to protect the integrity of the tournament and um, and protect the anglers themselves. And um, you know, so they didn't they didn't want they didn't think it was fair or um, well for whatever reason I don't I can't I can't say why they did it but but they opted not to disclose any specific details about why the guys were disqualified other than to reiterate what was put out in that press release which was uh, which was C7 so um you know, I, I guess that's where we're at with it. You know, we have a lot of information. Adrian uh, and I were talking a little bit earlier, and I, I'd like him to comment a, about it a little bit because he spoke with some guys that were uh, close to it. And the, the information that he was provided was regarding the, um, uh, the lie detector test, right? The guys uh, were submitted to a, a, a lie detector test, and that's why they were they failed it. One of the guys failed it. And that's why the disqualification took place. Hmm. 
Now, what I'm proposing, or what I, there's a couple ways to talk about this. Number one, tournament director has the most thankless job that exists in fishing. Tough job. If he DQs the guys, he's going to be crucified by the guys that got DQ'd because they didn't do it. And everybody knows, anybody that's ever been DQ'd, they're all innocent. Right? Nobody ever did it. And uh, if you don't DQ them, then you gotta you gotta suffer the wrath of everybody else in the mm-hmm. tournament because now they're they lost money they didn't get what was coming to them because they, these guys should have been DQ'd mm-hmm. and they weren't had a big shot at the classic get, could be a, a shot at the classic there's a bunch of stuff that are implications here in a tournament the tournament that I won on Champlain in an FLW tournament we had a big massive thing because guys didn't get DQ'd. There were guys fishing in the off-limits area of that tournament. The tournament director during the, during the meeting said, you cannot fish in the release area, and they defined the release area. Guys contacted the assistant tournament director, and he said, you can fish in this part, which was incorrect. Mm. So the, the, the ruling bodies gave two out two, but half of the top ten fished in the area that was off-limits wow. and were not disqualified. Mm. Right, so it was, you know, there was a massive firestorm on a lot of guys losing a lot of money because those guys, those guys weren't disqualified right. in that situation. One, it's important to note in disqualification, like ninety percent of DQs are happen unintentionally. Right, most guys are disqualified because they either didn't know the rule, they unintentionally violated the rule, misinterpreted, mis- misinterpretation right. of what the rule Fishing was. Fishing in an yeah. off-limits area, and it, you were you were you know, yeah, just a little bit off. Brandon yeah. Polinick, yeah, right, slipping over mm-hmm. the state line and mm-hmm. no, didn't even notice it on his GPS or but, what have you. But in Brandon's case, you knew what he did wrong. Right, right. Well, my problem was, with this is. They left too much gray area. You know, I read the story. The initial press release made it sound like they were throwing an A-rake. Then you had the firestorm on social media that called these guys every name in the book for throwing an A-rig. Scumbags shouldn't be throwing an A-rig and all this other stuff. Turns out they weren't actually accused of throwing an A-rig. They are accused of failing a question regarding that. So they left too much unknown, you know what I mean, and and they won't clarify. Well, that that is that is that's a great question, right? That brings to the question to light: Should there be transparency in this process, right? Should the anglers know exactly the, what the tournament directors are looking at, and and should they be privy to all the information, uh, or not? You know, is uh, you know it, that that's a tough one, you know. The one thing that the tournament directors all said is that they have a due diligence process. This does not happen fly by night. A lot of pieces of information have to be put into place in order for them to justify a disqualification. And they went through that due diligence process in this case. And they made the decision that they made, and you know, of course, they're sticking by it. And they they feel that the way that they're handling it is the way that's the way they've always handled it. But um, I, I get your point, Brian. 
Is transparency? Well, you have to because we need as tournament anglers and something we should have. You have to because you can't float out something like that and and leave so much gray area for everybody else to make their decisions. If you leave it so wide open, everybody's going to you know judge and, and, and you know and and judge unfairly, right? Because they're misinformed or they're. You know they they don't have the facts, and people are going to comment. It's not fair to the angler. You know, I, I haven't seen a statement from them, which you got to wonder why. You know, well, they made a statement. They did. Well, their statement is what they you know. No, from from the anglers themselves. Oh, from the anglers themselves. Yeah, and that's a great point. Were were, you know? we, were you able to track those guys down? No, I we attempted to um, to track them down, but we weren't able to get to them in time. Because uh, I wanted, you know, I wanted to. I I invited Bass on to talk about it. I invited the. I try. I invited the tournament anglers to talk about it too. And uh, and basically, we didn't get any response. And <laughs> you know, well, the, the the tournament directors all called me back and talked to me. And, and you know, they're they were great. You know, they they were genuine. And they say, Pete, this is this is what we're this is our policy. We're sticking to it. This is how we do business. And. And uh, this is how we operate, and that's fine. But you gotta add, beg this this is silence question as part of the anglers. Why are they being silent? Let me tell you something. If, mm. In the age of social media, if I got DQ'd and I didn't throw the umbrella rig or I didn't throw one of those rigs, you can bet I'm on social media. You can bet I'm talking mm-hmm. about it and saying this is nonsense. I right. didn't do it. I didn't do it. Right. And we haven't seen that. Right. So, that's true. You know, I mean that that that's a big message that kind of points to guilty in my. Opinion. Did Guilty you? of failing a polygraph question. That, I have no idea exactly what, but that's what, what they're, they're saying. saying. They're not no, saying they're they not threw saying the rig. That. No, they're not saying that. Nobody accused them. There's Nobody no talk came of a forward polygraph. to accuse them. There's no official talk of a polygraph, or there's no official talk of exactly. What the official response to Bass was they violated that Rule C-7. That's it. No, they violated a polygraph question pertaining to Rule C-7. That was the press release. I didn't see that press release. Oh, okay. Well, did you read that uh, C seven because it it dealt with the length, spinnerbait blades, and everything else. Did you read C seven, the actual rule? I mean, it seemed a bit confusing. Well, that's extremely lengthy. Yeah, that rule is an interesting rule because it 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 all was spawned from the A rig, right? You know, that rule was basically created out of this new new bait called the A-Rig, and then it trickled down and, uh, you know, has has made illegal certain techniques that were legal before the A-Rig. And these are not even A-Rig techniques. So you're talking about the double fluke rig. You're talking about the Norman front runner. You're talking about the double drop shot rig, which, which all these were legal up until the A-Rig craze came about. So... Um, you know, there, there's unless you read over it line by line, it can be confusing. And what I find interesting, and I can tell you, I'm guilty of it myself, is being a competitor 
and not reading word for word for exactly. word what the rules are. I've been guilty of it myself over yep. the years. And then, you know, and that's what the tournament directors uh, kind of alluded to when I spoke to them is most disqualifications are, are not done intentionally. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, and, and I'm not trying to vilify these guys that yeah. got DQ'd because for all I know, the tournament directors may have made the decision that they inherently, you know, or did something. Maybe, maybe they dropped a lure over the side of the boat. While they were while they were fishing with another lure, you know how you do that sometimes. You have five or ten feet of line, and you just throw your rod down on the deck of the boat, and your jig's dangling. Yeah, and uh, and you're fishing with something else. Yeah, you know, technically, that's a blatant that's a violation. Yeah, you know, it's an in my opinion, it's an unintentional violation, yeah. not a malicious violation, but a violation nonetheless. Well, that's like the last, uh, actually, the last buddy tournament that I fished with with Brian the Carpenter. He had like ten Carolina rigs dragging out the back, and I didn't know what was going on. I just thought he had you know backlashes. I didn't really know, but well, dragging Carolina rigs out the back. <laughs> well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, there's you. You are a resident expert on disqualification. <laughs> 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 Let me. The, the, what pro- <laughs> naughty list, Santa. <laughs> what are the process? What is the process uh, that you're aware of that the tournament director goes through in order to make a disqualification? Well, you know, I, I, I don't. I mean, I, I've definitely been in that situation a few times. I don't, I don't claim to be an expert, but uh, you know, I mean, there there are violations when. A violation happens and the tournament director, you know, brings it up. There's always that moment of, you know, oh, yeah, I, I did that, you know, <laughs> or, you know, no, I didn't do that. And then that's where a polygraph then comes in, you know. So, um, you know, I mean, a lot of the ones that I, you know, and, and I won't get into it. That's another show. But a lot of the ones I've been involved in, I, I did the wrong thing. You know what I mean? So I had to pay the consequences for it. Most of them were unintentional. Again, which is something that you brought up. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of the situations I was in, it was it was an accident. You know, things happened accidentally. Uh, you know, not necessarily on purpose that created that situation. So, um, you, you know, it. Well, it's I- a, there, there's in this sport, there is and there always will be a lot of gray areas. A lot. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes the job of a tournament director in professional bass fishing so difficult, because they then become the interpreter of gray, which is a tough thing to do, mm-hmm. you know, when there's not a clear-cut black-and-white resolution for an issue, you know. And that's the reality of our sport right now, you know, a lot of gray. Yeah, the marshals have been great. You know, the marshals are, are part of that, and they're really helping that process, and the co-anglers are there for that. And that that makes this one even more uh you know, probably more uh, polarizing because it was a buddy tournament. Yeah. Right? So you didn't you didn't well, have that person that you know, observing. The well, situation. there's a whole new issue right there in itself, isn't it? Yeah, and I, and and the buddy tournament. I mean, we all grew up fishing buddy tournaments. Personally, I'd love to see the the you know buddy tournaments on the pro circuit. You know, a pro circuit revolving around buddy tournaments. You know, but that's that's a whole other yeah. thing. So there's an update on wire to fish. Okay, and I'll read. What they say is an update from Bass. Okay. According to sources closest to the situation, the team was not disqualified for throwing an umbrella rig. There is and was no evidence of that. They were disqualified for failing one question on the polygraph, according to the person administering the test. 
and there are some discrepancies between the parties on how the polygraph is handled. Um, and from what I read, it was one guy failed one question on the polygraph. One guy out of the team. Yeah, now that's that's what I had heard, and um, if Adrian wants to jump in with anything here. Yeah, I mean, I'll jump into it a little bit. I mean, I was um, I was told, I guess, a few days back um, about this topic, and I and I dug in a little bit myself. I went on Bassmaster.com and I and I read down the forum. I read through the comments, and and one person in particular stuck out to me um, that was defending this person. So I figured, you know what? Let me give that person a call and let me see if he knows a little bit about it. Well, I talked to him today for about forty minutes or so. And he just went in detail, um, just giving me a little background of, of these two people that got DQ'd. And, and um, he's really close to these guys. And he said, I mean, they're pretty much as straight as an arrow. They're guys that he believes. So whatever they say, you know, whatever, whatever they say, he's going to believe. Um, and he just, he basically said, he talked to them on their way home and he gave them the story of what went down and what happened. And, and it all comes down to what you just said. Uh, basically, what I was told was, was what you just read off a wire to fish that um, after they weighed in, they were currently in second place. Um, they were called down to do a random polygraph test, and as us tournament anglers know, um, when you get in that heated competition, you're anywhere inside that top ten. It, it is random. Um, and they took the random polygraph test. One of the gentlemen took it, and it was about 15 minutes long, and they got to the question about the umbrella rig. And he answered the question saying, no, I did not possess or throw the umbrella rig. Uh, well, the guy that was given the polygraph test said he detected some 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 something in there to where I guess it, it didn't seem um, like he was truthful about it. Um, so right then was shooting up and down. Yeah, I mean, I guess you know, I mean, I've been in that situation too where I took polygraph tests, and I mean, I don't care if you're if you're doing something wrong or not. I mean, you're nervous, you right. know, and I mean, you're you're going, you know, you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, but come to find out, you know, that's what they failed them for that one question. So they went to the second person. He had to go through the same polygraph test. Of course, now if the second partner is going to be taking it, he's going to be all over the place nervous because now he's thinking that they did do something wrong with us. I mean, nine times out of ten, guys that are winning tournaments, you're not doing something wrong, but... Sometimes you do do things that are a little bit different, or sometimes you got to mess with that gray line to be successful. I mean, there's a lot of times, you know, me personally, myself, you know, I'm not saying I was fishing off limits or using a bait, you know, that wasn't particularly what the rule requirements met, but I know when that umbrella rig first came out, there were a few tournaments that were dominated, and then the second year when they banded it, we did whatever we could possible to make that thing legal, you know, coming up with all different types of contractions. Well, so of course this second guy, he's going to be nervous taking this test, and I guess he did, you know, go through the motions and pass it. But because of that first angler failed that one question, that's where they're at now. Mm. I, I, mm. I find it hard to believe, and I and I'd be. I'd be disappointed if it's the case that the disqualification was on the sole, sole, you know, failing a, a polygraph test. You know, that was it. You know, I, I'd be just—I honestly, I'd be disappointed. I would want yeah, to think well, that they'd have to go through a lot more than yeah. that to be able to really, you know, definitively throw somebody out of a tournament. And that brings up the whole bigger issue of polygraphs in general. Right. Uh, you, you, you know, I, I mean, I think in theory... Their effectiveness. Though. Yeah, I think in theory, the polygraph, in theory, is a great thing to to create quality control, so to speak. But they're not submissible in court. 
Right. Uh, That's right. You know, a lot of it's up to the determination of the polygrapher, uh, of the yeah. person submitting the polygraph. You know, who, who's hiring them? Who are they? What are their qualifications? As as the victim of all this, do you get a say in any of that? Right. You don't. When you sign that form. You basically give away all your rights. That's good. One, uh, you know, that that's a great point, and I thought about this during the investigation process, is the anglers do not have a voice, right? We don't. We don't have a voice. When, you know, the NFL, when those players get in trouble doing, a, doing something or getting fined or whatever it is, you know, they've got legal rights. There's an appeals process they they can undertake that they can go through, and a a lot of times they 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 the courts find in favor of the players. Absolutely, the there is nobody that ever finds in favor of the tournament angler. He's DQ'd. That's it. (laughs) You know, you're you're toast. So you know, we talk about this. The Professional Anglers Association was designed uh, originally, you know, in my mind, to to protect the anglers, and, and we 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 still need that. We will always need that. Yeah. And that's not to say that the the, the tournament direct, did anything wrong. I'm just saying they, they they've got their voice. We need our yeah. voice. Yeah, we definitely yeah. do. And then the issue with it, what you come down to is, I mean, you take this polygraph for a reason. So when the person does fail the question, I mean, you have to DQ them because that's what your policy is. I mean, why would you have a polygraph test if they're going to fail a question that's against the rules? But it's just tough. I see what you're saying, that if you can only DQ a person solely on one single question without any prior evidence, I mean, it's just if it's I, tough. You if know, I, I mean, If I was turning, and I've never been in that job, but I would think if I was tournament director, I would want to have a set of criteria or a set of things that had to happen and take place in order for me to officially throw somebody out of a tournament. Like, you you couldn't just come to me and say, hey, you know, Adrian fished in the off-limits and I saw him. You know, it'd have to be a story that that is seen by somebody else. It'd have to be, you know, there'd have to be some other proof. He'd have to fail a polygraph and be seen in the off-limits area. You know, there'd have to be at least two pieces of that puzzle uh, to to be able to do, be able to pull the trigger. If just one piece, like you could hate him, you could have, you know, he could have scratched your boat and you're mad at him, so you're you're protesting him on purpose uh, in a malicious way. So you, you know, you can't have that. And like like you said, the polygraph is. Is very, uh, you know, I think it can be used as a tool, but that's all it should be yeah, in this yeah. scenario. Should be one one piece of the puzzle, right? Uh, Want to remind everybody uh, if you want to weigh in on this topic, a lot of ways to uh, voice your opinion uh, right on the IM feature. Let us know what you feel about this. Uh, you could also uh, tweet us at Mike underscore Iconelli on Twitter, and uh, we've got a phone number here. Do you want to put the phone number up, Brian, just in case somebody wants to call? Uh, Brian DeCarpenter is going to put up a phone number here. If you're old school and you have a pay phone or you have a bag phone, you want to call. There's the number right there. Do we have any comments, by the way, up to this point? This is n- nothing good, right? No, nah, it's all just nonsense. We have from, one comment, but it was yeah. still about Aaron's mule. We don't want to talk about it anymore. <laughs> um, you know, th- this is, gosh, we could do a whole show, I think, based on this topic and all the offshoots of it. it it's amazing how it started out on this one specific uh, you know, scenario, and now it's kind of sprouted off to all these other other offshoots. But yeah. I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it's 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 a life changing scenario when that stuff happens to you. You know, uh, to your credit, you know, you've been in that scenario, and uh, you know, you got kicked into the in the teeth, and to keep going, 
is a hard thing to do. A lot of guys get blackballed, or you yeah. know, or they just get totally frustrated and 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 bail out on it. That it's, uh, you know, to be able to fight through that and try to you know find the next level. Yeah, uh, that was that's awesome. That's that happened to you, and I, I hope it it's what happened to these guys now. But these guys, of course, I kind of feel. That their disqualification was probably an, an accidental thing or something unintentional. I just I have that sense about what took place. Mm-hmm. Um, there are other guys that I don't feel that same way. Guys that you know, and we got to worry about this stuff. Guys that are blatantly cheating, man. I mean, they're going in, into places, uh, the, the, having fish in, in in cages, crab traps, crab traps. They're doing you know meeting their family and up a creek and getting coolers full of fish caught you know in the, the previous weeks. And Bartles and James too. <laughs> but, uh, well, <laughs> exactly. There, there's there's some very very malicious stuff that's going on. What's going on in the elite series? The 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 internet cheaters. Mm. You know, get, getting waypoints mm. uh, from the internet. You know, in the day, the MySpace uh, error, and um, you know, the internet cheating that's going. MySpace on. has dust on it. <laughs> that's what I heard. But it's you know that kind of che- that kind of <laughs> cheating, man. I, I I believe that's malicious. I think I think those guys should be blackballed. Yeah. You know, and um, you know that's, but that's a whole different scenario. Yeah. You know, like Kevin, I think. KVD got DQ'd. What do you get DQ'd for having somebody idle him? Yeah, up uh, down a flat, and he didn't realize that he had broken another one of those scenarios. Yeah, he didn't realize. He didn't. He did not read the rules. Yeah, you know, that was an unintentional disqualification, in my opinion. And it's just he took it. He took the beating, and and that was that. You know. Yeah. And there's, like I said, there's other times when uh, the cheating's been much harsher than that, and and purposeful. Yeah. And uh, in those situations, I think the pennant the you know, we, that's why they, that's why they're in place. I, I think the tournament organizations would argue, say, "Look, this is our policy. This is how we proceed. You have options. You can go fish in another tournament trail if you don't like the way we're handling things." Yeah. But uh, they, I think, they do legitimately try to protect the sport. I think they're they have their sport and their tournament, their tournament organization. They have that best interest in mind. Yeah. When, and um, and we do need tournament directors. We do need people to get DQ'd. Yep. Yeah. And when they're violating the rules, it's an important part of it. Yeah, it's an important part. Man, that was uh, that was a very interesting. I got to tell you, we've had a lot of. This is show twelve. We have a lot of hot topics. That was a very interesting. Hot topic there, the scoop, Glusick. <laughs> you really dug up some good information well, on that. I wonder what we're going to dig up next. I don't know. It's interesting. You never know on this show. Mm. Uh, let me remind you, we're, we're approaching the 1030 hour, and uh, you know the show is about to switch here in a little bit, uh, which is interesting. Uh, for those of you guys that have watched the last few shows, you know what happens. Uh, we're going to take a short break here in a couple minutes, and we're going to come back. What are we going to come back, Brian? What, about 1030, 1040, we're going to come back? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm actually on the phone. At He's the not paying attention. He's back there building something. What's I'm he? What's he phone. building? Uh, what is it? A cabinet? He's what are you making back there? Panels. He's he's doing panels. He's doing wood relief back there. Uh, we're going to take a little break here in a second. We're going to come back with Ike After Hours. And that's the show where we really open it up to the phone lines. It's a cool part of the show uh, because, Bill, we never know what we're going to hear from these guys. That's true. We hear fishing questions. We hear the Bash University type questions. But we hear other stuff, too. We hear people that want to know you know, about uh, other stuff outside of fishing, sponsorships or you know, gossip. or It's all it's, it's all sorts of stuff. It's it's a cool part of the show. Uh, so we're, we're going to do that. Are we are we set to do that, Bry? 
We're going to take a little break here in a, in a couple minutes, sir. Yeah, we could do it now. Okay. Uh, I actually had a couple of good uh, questions call in, loosely related to the topic. Yes. But uh, I asked them. They're, they're going to. We're going to get to them in the after hours part. Okay, we're going to get back to them. Like I said, they were loosely related, but, you know. Okay. All right, so I want you to do this. Stick with us. Uh, We're going to take a short break, probably a five- or ten-minute break. When we come back, we're going to jump right into it with, uh, you can ask any question you want. Again, you can do it IM, you can do it Twitter, you can do it on the phone line. We're going to have a special guest uh, in after hours, too. Brian, who do we got coming on after hours? We got a special call-in guest? Yep. Who do we have? (laughs) <laughs> I, I, it's a surprise. It's a surprise. We have a surprise <laughs> guest calling in after hours. Hopefully, it's not an ex-girlfriend. Uh, we're, and we're going to have that. Uh, but let's take this time. And uh, I want to say once again, man, this has been fun, Pete. This is show 12. This is the end of the Ike Lives for 2014. Wow. I couldn't think of a better way to do it than to have you guys here. What an awesome way. I'm serious. I'm serious. Bill, Adrian, I'm glad you guys were here for this. And, of course, you too, Pete. I'm glad you were here for it. I appreciate you having me. It's, it's, I mean, I didn't know what we were getting into when you said we were going to start doing this it's, six months ago. It's crazy. Well, we didn't know what we were doing. We still don't. We still don't. Brian Not has no changed. clue. Look at him. Uh, there's a big question mark over his head all the time. But uh, I'm, I'm having a good time, you know, learning and, 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 and doing the show and seeing all all, meeting all the great guys. I mean, the guys on the tournament trail that we compete so hard against, and we see out there, we get it in the studio. And, uh, yeah, we get to, get pick, to their, know pick their yeah. minds a little bit, get into their brain. It's fun. And people outside of the sport. We've had athletes. We've had entertainers on the show. This is getting crazy. I know. What's next, man? I don't know. Like, Do you think we can get Cher on, Brian? No, no. She, 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 How about she Barbara Streisand? Yeah, she's not with us anymore. No, no okay. They fish for panfish. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> it's interesting. It's a growing show. We've had a lot of fun. Uh, and we got a lot of new cool stuff coming in 2015. I don't want to give too much away, uh, but we may have a Bash University TV offshoot that might be brewing. Uh, there's talks of an Ike Live tour coming up. Which would be interesting. On location, Ike Lives. And there's talk of possibly more than one Ike Live show per month in 2015. A lot of cool stuff. A lot of cool stuff. Most of all, we appreciate you for taking the time to watch this. Because without you, there would be no Ike Live. We want to wish you a Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, and a Happy Holidays. And have a super new year. Bye. Give us some music to go out to. And as we said, we're going to carol. You ready, guys? Here we go. Oh, Christmas tree. Oh, Christmas tree. I don't know the rest of the words. Feliz Navidad. That's it. Peace. All right. Merry Christmas, Mike. Merry Christmas. Stay tuned. Break right after hours. Thank you very much. Coming Thank up. You, Coming up, Russell. That was horrible. <laughs> Just to look at you Taken by the seamless vision I close my eyes Ignore the smoke Ignore the smoke